everyone, welcome to the new future. People are buying virtual property in the metaverse. Companies don't care about the burning of the planet as they look to invest in NFTs. And now we have companies amassing so many gaming companies that Mickey Mouse is starting to glance over his shoulder. And if that's not enough, you have us to be the old men yelling at the clouds for blocking the sun. That's right. You have turned into the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sore Chomp. It may be true that we are all bitching and moaning in our 30s. Rich almost in his 30s. But it's nothing compared to how much Pokemon fans complain about every aspect of the series that they claim to love. Okay, okay. Enough of this whining. Let me tell you why it's oh so delightful that you're turning in and tuning in today. We have a ton to talk about as we are going to be doing a rare double topic today. First, why is Mario so iconic? We are going to evaluate that in hopes of getting to the bottom of a question absolutely nobody is asking about. Next, we are going to attempt to be topical by discussing the recent news of Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard for pocket change. We will also be discussing games we've been playing. The Anacrusis, Solar Ash, Nobody Saves the World, and Windjammers 2. And we are going to be closing out the show with a few social media polls that you, the listeners, voted on at the Sore Chomp Instagram. More on that a little bit later. And if you know me, which I'm assuming you do, but just in case you don't, I love giving funny introductions for my co-hosts to walk into and banter with me on. But like I said, if you don't know me, you're about to find out what I'm talking about because I I just can't resist. I'm joined by an iconoclast and a visionary. He is also the host of Chomping at the Bits and the co-host of Chomping After Dark. He is the editor of the site and generally a yes man. But one thing he has yet to say yes to is throwing all of his clothes onto the ground, and running into the forest like the wood nympho we all know he is. Rich, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good, man. Been playing a lot of good games. Um, it's, it's, uh, I guess it feels like, uh, a little bit like Destiny today that we, uh, are talking about Mario because, uh, there is a new Chomping at the Bits out that's all about the Super Mario Brothers. Um, it's all that's about. It's you all did about a little it. bit of Christopher Walken there on accident. A little bow. We talk about Luigi. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't do a good walking. Um, I, I can tell, but that's okay. Yeah, you try. I'm, it's fine. I did. I you know, three mice followed a bucket of cream. Um, I uh, yeah, I played a lot of games. Like okay, I played you know a fair amount, like three or so games this week, and they're all really fucking good. Uh, so it's a good start to 2022. Uh, games wise everything else is terrible um, yeah well you know that's fine but I have one question for you you completely ignored the intro where I said you yeah, have yet I to did, throw your correct. clothes onto the ground and run into the woods like the wood yeah. nympho we know you are what happened to that did you say wood nymph or wood nympho those are two very I definitely said wood nympho and I did that on purpose okay what is I know the difference what exactly don't, don't try and correct mean? me I know the difference I don't, I don't well, I don't is the thing. What constitutes a wood nympha? Nympha. I'm I'm implying that you like to hump trees, Rich. Um, I like to hump most things. This isn't really. Trees are just any wood. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Whatever's whatever's available. Hmm. So why haven't you done that well, yet? Good time at we Cracker Barrel. Society. I mean, uh, I like technically the, the forest is a waffles. society. It's just it's, one it, you haven't chosen to accept yet. Is it? It's yeah. an ecosystem. Yeah. I know that. I don't know about a society. I mean, how can you confirm or deny that? I mean, like, maybe the squirrels have their own secret society that you don't know about. I don't think they do. Well, you know what? Until you uh, start going into the woods and Henry David throwing it up, I'm going to call bullshit on it. Henry David, throw it up, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of thought that as I said it, too. (laughs) Henry David, throw up your motherfucking hands. And then it's just let me see that tranquil world sounds in the club. <laughs> just the roll up your motherfucking hands, but like atmospheric. <laughs> what the fuck Can is going on in this club? The majestic blue whipper willow. <laughs> oh, that would be. I think that'd be a funny uh, TikTok bit or something. I don't know. Sure, yeah. There's a there's a joke there. Yeah, there is, but I'm not gonna work on it too hard. Rich, I'm just no. glad you're here and you haven't cast off your clothes yet. I'm very it's happy early. about that. Yeah. I'm also joined by the whiz kid, the editor extraordinaire, the tech guru himself. He edits the show, which includes making us sound good and taking out all of the groans he makes when I make a shitty joke. Oh. He generally cuts the show in half as a result, unfortunately. Josh, my friend, how are you doing today? Okay. I fuck you. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. I'm tr- trying to rush through dinner to to get started tonight. Um <laughs> didn't didn't feel like rushing. <laughs> I'll tell you that. You don't one does not simply rush through two plates of sushi. Listen, man. I was sitting there for a half an hour listening to you and Rich talk. There was no rushing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure. No Russian. Mm, yeah. No, but I agree. I agree. You, you, when you get sushi, well, maybe for you, I guess you probably like to sit down and enjoy it. Like mm-hmm. me, when I go to the sushi conveyor belt restaurants, I'm oh, just yeah. <laughs> more, more. That's just like conveyor belt's a different fucking, atmosphere. I'm not even like chewing. I'm just fucking pelicaning it, rubbing yeah. my throat, trying to get the whole sushi down. No, you just you just lean over. Open your mouth, just scraping along the belt as it all just kind of like jeans my my tongue. Yeah, lick it right off the plate. Yeah, yeah, it just delivers itself directly to your gullet. And they're like these fucking gaijin Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming in with their gluttonous attitudes. But no, I mean, like, what'd you get up to this week? Um, I have uh, no good. Been playing more Final Fantasy fourteen as I promised I would last week. Um and the world remains. Still shocked. still good fun. That's been uh Yeah, I see a lot of that <laughs> in my future still. Um Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just been uh there, there's a lot there. There's yeah, there's a ton there. Um and it's been really fun to slowly slowly just kind of take my time going going through a lot of it um i've not really come tuesday you can buy it again 
yeah, yeah, they're finally opening that back up again, which that makes sense. Um, I'm not on a super high pop realm, but still pretty high pop. And the queue times are like a minute at this point. It's the next to nothing. Um, mm. You don't have in. to text That's... anyone to, to log you, queue you up on your way home from work anymore. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a couple dozen, usually. Um, doesn't take a, that long. Um, need to need to find some sort of community to get into with that as well for uh you know moving into group content once i finally get to the end there cuz i uh we definitely got people playing in the in the discord i can tell you that. i was just going to say that yeah i mean yeah. like that's that's the irony is like i there are times where you guys are like, oh, we need more people for this game. And we have a whole community mm-hmm. of our own Discord that you guys yeah. never go in that you would find these people if you guys went in there. That's the irony of the situation. Mm-hmm. Not, um, to, not to scold you guys. I'm just saying I think no, it's funny. No, no, but um, it, not, it didn't matter really until, I mean, it still doesn't matter. I'm probably still a few more weeks be- out from getting to But any, just know they're there when you are content. ready. Yeah, yeah, because... I've I've been I've been slowly working through you know the main main scenario quests and whatnot and it's gonna mm. be a while before I'm at the end game still but yeah yeah I'm it's it's something I'm I, I need a plan for at this point so I can do any of that end game stuff um, right on without having to try to deal with pugs uh, so yes anyway. Lots of that. I'm glad been, you... been playing some okay. uh, some more Solar Ash as well. But about to wrap that up. Good man. Good man. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you were able to make it. Pull yourself away from your busy schedule of killing monsters and enemies. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. And I am some old fogey that goes by the name Shay. And I wanted to tell you guys this quick story. I was telling Rich a little bit before the show. I uh, finally, after years and years of knowing I needed to do this, I went to the doctor um, to go see if I could get tested for sleep apnea because I I know I have it, but I just never oh, went through the steps. As a doctor, all of a sudden, I, I went and got my degree <clears throat> at Facebook University. <laughs> but no, no. Um, oh, in I, the metaverse. <laughs> that's right. I'm actually I'm a metaverse physical property there too. No, um, but. No, I know. I've known I needed to get it done for a while, so I went to the doctor. They had me. Uh, they sent me a, a home test kit, and the whole process was like wrap, wrapping this little monitor around my upper abdomen while I slept, which that's no problem. Putting a little monitor on my finger and taping the cord onto my hand to make sure it doesn't get loose, not that big of a deal. And then wrapping a tube around my ears and it going up and into my nostrils mm-hmm. to. Uh, gauge my sleeping my my breathing and whatnot god that's one of my and favorite rps I, good arpg shit. but no uh augmented reality <laughs> no but i have slept absolutely horribly the last two nights um as you can imagine i'm very not awake right now which is also why, like, for just you two, so you guys know, I was very quiet before we started the show. I am very, very sleepy today, so 
I uh, fully expect this show to be not a train wreck, but just ridiculous in the best way possible. It's going I'm way too slow to actually wreck. Things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have uh, heart palpitations. No, um, I'm glad I write the intros of the show and I don't try and freeball it because I was, as I was reading that intro, I was like, damn, I wrote a really fucking good intro this week. That's what I'm saying in my head as I'm reading it out five, ten minutes ago. So it's really I proud don't of remember myself. doing There's that. N- yeah, that's exactly what I thought, too. And I just wrote it like a night or two ago. So, um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I was so fucking busy this week with, uh, I'm working on changing jobs right now. And, uh, I had a going away event last night for a friend and, uh, handling like medical stuff and a bunch surprise of surprise party. I, no, they didn't no, know they were sadly, going away. Just, no, they, you all let no, them know they were going away. Party. <laughs> Forever. It's somebody knows. Yeah. But no, I didn't get much game time in this week. I got a little bit in, but not enough. So mm. um, the game talk's going to be mainly you guys this week, which is Woo! not not abnormal or anything like that. I mean, you guys play so many more games than I do that uh, I always feel eclipsed. But I mean, it's it's a good thing, too, because then. You guys can tell me what I really should focus my time on. Oh, we'll tell you loud. We'll tell you. (laughs) I always appreciate when you guys are like, "Yeah, this game's pretty good, but this game is phenomenal." Both the things I'm going to yell about this week are on Game Pass, so no excuses. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, life is an excuse. Uh, yeah, I'm super busy just trying to avoid giving up on hope on everything so so i've got to breathe man you guys gotta start coming in here with more positive energy i can't work with this week after week of dread and doom and gloom everyone's sad it's hard for me try try being me (laughs) god damn it must be rough making a livable wage and having somewhere to live decently in new york city (laughs) livable wage he says livable wage Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a whole other thing for another day. <laughs> oh God! But you know what? You know who is out there making a livable wage, doing those blue collar jobs that so many other people don't want to do? No one I've ever met. Mario, Mario's out there doing those blue collar jobs and getting a livable wage. And speaking of Mario. Today, our first topic, we're going to be discussing why is he so iconic? What a, like, obviously there are some things here that we're going to be able to point to and be like, oh, duh. But yeah, we're going to talk about those. Of course, of course. Why wouldn't we talk about those? But I also want to get even deeper into that. You know, I want, I want to know, like, what is it? What is, what part of his essence makes us love him so much? So. We're going to talk about that today. And uh, Rich, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you in a weird way to kind of like, and I didn't tell you you were going to do this, to kind of like Uh-oh. give a little bit of backstory about Mario, because this is going to kind of be a good preview into what you do at Chomping at the Bits and what you did with that episode. I listened to about 75% of it at this point, which is an awesome episode. Thank you. Kind of like, give us a little bit of history about Mario. Sure. Um, I mean, well, Mario was not Mario in name until uh, Mario Brothers, the Nintendo arcade title, first came about. But 
his roots go as far back as Donkey Kong, where he was known as Jumpman, but like as simple as if we want to go that far back and you guys can anyone can listen to our, our very first episode of Chomping at the Bits, which is on Donkey Kong um, for that. What uh, a lot of people probably do know at this point, but not something I would pinpoint as common knowledge is uh, when Donkey Kong was first set out to be made, Miyamoto wanted to make a licensed Popeye game um, where originally it was you were going to be playing as Popeye. Donkey Kong was going to be Bluto. Uh, when for whatever reason, it's really hard to track down what the reason was. The licensing deal could not happen. Um, they decided to make their own original characters, and Mario was, or Jumpman at the time, was sort of formed as the stand-in for Popeye. And when the the Mario Brothers uh arcade game first came about, um, that was when Jumpman was rebranded into Mario and given a little bit more of the distinct design we know today. Uh, things like Koopa Troopas started to appear. They were known as shell creepers at first in that game. But, you know, much like Popeye the Sailor, like this kind of working class, like weirdly relatable, but very cartoony, like over the top zany character. Um, Mario was that. He was and it just just weird in a lot of ways, but he kind of jumps off the page and like talking about him being iconic. He just. He's got a certain oomph that I don't think you could replicate today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think that I mean and thank you for that like little history beginning of Mario. I want to start off with a, a few of the obvious ones and then we'll kind of get deeper into him as an icon and as a character. I think the few notable reasons why he's so iconic first and foremost, let's get him out of the way. He was one of Nintendo's first mascots, not the first, but one of the first. Right, of course, mm-hmm. that's gonna make him iconic. He came before almost everybody else, and I don't. That sounds really dirty. He uh, he was yeah, created before most other. It's not more, not the most generous of lovers. <laughs> no, he was one of the first created. Was it a good uh, for you? <laughs> here we go. Um, no, he was one of the first created characters for Nintendo. So of course that gives him, um. A leg up on the a leg up on the competition, but also the fact that I think the quality in his games from the beginning has also given him kind of that legendary iconic status. And to me, when I think of Mario, I think of like quality, not necessarily of Mario the character, but Mario the name, Mario the brand. I think of that mm-hmm. as quality because yeah, there, I'm sure there have been some less than quality Mario games out there. There he's had hundreds of games. He's at like 260 games at this point. I'm, I'm sure there have been some stinkers out there. Don't it's talk shit about Mario. They are ever always again. eclipsed and overshadowed by just the mass of good games that he has been in or that has his name on that. And I think, I think that's like some of the obvious ones. Um, I mean, isn't that kind of amazing that guys that were like 30 plus years, I think it's been about 30 or 30 plus at this point, more than including that. his humble beginnings. Coming, coming in that, on 40. You're yeah. Right, yeah. That he just like his name or his brand is still as amazing as it is in 2022. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think something Miyamoto actually once said about Mario is like the most 
in his head, he said that Mario has sort of transcended um, just being like, oh, Mario is a platformer game. Like in his to him, Mario is a genre at this point. Like Mario mm. games are a, a cut outside of other things. And I, I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, like that, I don't I don't either. So many other yeah. brands and companies and games try to model themselves after Mario. Yeah, yeah no, I, really I think the only one that kind of falls in that category at all is Sonic at this point. Who like you know? Also, and I wouldn't at even this point most of the games are not the main series games. It just you know, Sonic happens to be in this. Um, like back in the late '90s, I would have attributed Sonic more than that. I think he is. He, I don't know. It might just be the dip in quality that I, oh, that yeah, I see. Well, no, but maybe there's bias. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mario like ubiquitously will always have and this is more of like a, a gamer's brain sort of thing mario with, with the launch of donkey kong again not technically mario at the time but in the retcon sense that was always mario mm-hmm. um not only basically created the platformer but then of was the character that continued to evolve it from yeah. donkey kong to mario brothers to super mario brothers right up into 3d with things like super mario 64 like he was leading mm-hmm. the pack in the video game platformer like for you know over 40 years at this point i mean 81 for donkey kong over 40 years yeah exactly i yeah i just the fa- the fact that his that brand means excellence first and foremost and yeah i'm sure there are one or two people in the back what about the mario movies or the Mario movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, we'll talk but, about that. But the thing is, like, Leap those are so bad that they're good at this point that people watch them for the memes. So even though that those were stinkers, people still enjoy it as a meme. Still want to do that chopping after dark this year? I'm keen for that. I'm I'm always keen for that. Um, put it in the Trello. But yeah, I will do. I will do that tomorrow. Actually, now that you do it right now, while you let. Well, Hear me blabber I'm not signed on. into that on my PC. My phone's on the other side of the room or I would do it oh, right okay. now. Fair enough. Hey, good man. Good man. Not being distracted. But, I mean, like, those are the obvious ones. You know, N- Nintendo, that's one of their first created characters. And they put so much yeah. love and care in them that it, it means excellence. Yes. And, I mean, another thing, too, and it's kind of an expansion on excellence, is so many different games that involve Mario as the main character, as one of the main characters, are so much fun. That's, that's what's kind of crazy to me. I mean, it started out as a platformer, and this is what you were saying, Rich. started out as a platformer. Then we eventually got Mario Kart, which is a fucking success, as we all know. We get Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, which are also pretty fun games. And- you're talking even before like the proper you know mario golf mario tennis things happened mario was nintendo's character that had a presence in like the nes release of golf and the tennis games for the nes like mario always had a presence in those games you know he was the referee in tennis he was present in the golf game like he was he was that he's and still is that mascot character in a much more subdued way um back in the late 80s early 90s but he was that presence. He became that flagship character. And I, uh, this is a little bit. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, no, no. I was, yes. And I, I think that Mario duck hunt cartridge with the NES, it just, it, it's, 
that just that, that that sort of install base that you get by having a character oh. be associated with gaming just just gaming period of saving yeah, gaming a, a mario game saved gaming in a way that the nes did but like like you almost attribute that to mario well that's a, a really good point and this is all not to give away like every bit of that chomping at the bits episode but this is something else we talked about in that episode um which is that Mar- the success of Mario drastically changed what Nintendo was going to do. When Super Mario Brothers was released, it was originally intended to be the last cart-based game for the NES. Right. They were gearing up the Famicom disc system, mm-hmm. and once they realized what they could do with a cart and how versatile it was and how much success they saw with Mario, the, the Famicom disc system came out in Japan, never in the US, but it just kind of flopped because they were going to keep making cart-based Mario games like it completely changed their yeah. trajectory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that being that was a pack in in the U.S. Yes, for, it was, for, but not a, for, uh, there were a few years before it. Yeah, but, but like that that kind of I really think think turned the console around a lot. Like ever, I still think of the NES as almost a '90s system. Like it hang it it hung on for so long. Um, I think games had a different life back then. Yeah. Um, like in, in NES to SNES, like the SNES was already out when I was playing NES games, but yeah, I didn't feel like I I had an NES in my house. I didn't have a SNES immediately, but I never felt like I was missing out on anything. Like Mm -hmm. those games were still great. And I think gaming culture was different at the time. So like, it wasn't weird that I was playing the first legend of Zelda and, you know, super Mario brothers while things like Mario three were already gearing up to launch. Yeah. You know that you mentioned that, that, that was, Especially earlier on, when these things were so much more expensive, just, you know, like, it, it was the sort of thing, you, you played at friends' houses. Like, you, you try to make sure that everybody has a different system, so you can like who Yeah, so who was the second kid? Who was, yeah. I, I think it goes beyond that, too, and it, we're kind of seeing that kind of revert, not exactly, and this gets a little bit off topic, but I, I think it's interesting to note that yeah when the nes came out because you know i was also a kid around that time that it didn't feel like it didn't have a place in the household gaming ecosystem because there were some families who couldn't afford to get the newer systems and it made sense because Mm -hmm. gaming was a much much more of a luxury item back in the day Mm -hmm. right it yeah yeah excuse me not everybody's family had a gaming system or had Mm -hmm. some kind of digital media to use or some virtual or some uh even physical gaming to do back then or to use or utilize however you want to say that back in the day it was much more of a luxury item yeah. and it was more expensive oh yeah in absolutely, absolutely with with um with wages and whatnot and then as the generations have gone on it's become more and more accessible whereas actually this generation feels like in a way it's kind of reverted back to where it's becoming more of a luxury item and that's because of the circumstances <laughs> yeah. of the world and for the u.s where you know there are because we're all poor issues there yeah, are yeah wages that are not as as great as yeah, wages are still the same ago. as in 1990 right um, so it in a lot of bad ways, then mm-hmm. <laughs> so in a lot of ways it feels like gaming is starting to become a luxury item again yeah. um granted we can do it with our mobile phones and there are certain ways to access it but i mean like access it but i mean quality gaming is starting to feel a little bit like a luxury item again 
And yeah, I'm like, not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying the opposite. But yeah, no. Um, the last time I owned are you so excited all the consoles was in the 360 PS3 era. That that's been the last time I've owned everything. Um, uh, I did at last generation at a point, but at a point when I decided to upgrade my PC again, I ended up selling my Xbox One because it finally set in that I don't actually need this thing because I can do all the things I'm doing on it on my PC. Yeah. And I should probably get some money back and, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to see, kind of see that. And Mar- Mario, yeah, he felt viable for all this time. But there's another um, thing that you guys were kind of talking about earlier that I want to explore deeper. All because right. it's not something I specifically talk, or thought about, but it makes perfect sense, is that I think 40, 30 years ago, it made sense for a company like Nintendo to try and make Mario the flagship icon. It made sense for Sega to try and make Sonic the flagship icon. It made sense for PlayStation to try and make Crash Bandicoot the flagship icon, which, yes, we'll we'll joke around and talk about that later. Save the jokes for later. We will make them later, I promise. But I love flagship. I I can't imagine now a company trying to do that. Could you imagine, like, even, like, Master Chief for Xbox 20 years ago made sense. But could you imagine if Microsoft now tried to make a brand new character, their, their flagship icon, how well that would go over? I don't think would be, the, the level of success wouldn't be as high as it was 40 to 35 to 30 years ago when Nintendo said definitively Mario is the guy right like he is it mm-hmm. and I, I I think they benefited from video gaming kind of being in its infancy to where they were able to say this is the character that's going to lead us through the years and be the the icon you know I think that they benefited and Mario in some ways benefited from the timeline that he was created in and for the record, like, that wasn't an immediate decision. There's definitely trial and error involved. Like, when you talk about Mario's first technical appearance being in Donkey Kong, the reason they settled on the name Donkey Kong for that game is um, because after an internal discussion, they basically decided, one, they were trying to make a game that would appeal to a North American audience, and they decided Donkey Kong was the most marketable character of the three they had made for that game, those three being Donkey Kong, um, Pauline and Jumpman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, excuse me. Sorry. I don't mean to brush over the fact that Mario wasn't the first character for sure. I mean, it's the same thing with Sega and Sonic. They, they, if you go watch some videos on YouTube, you can actually learn that Sonic was not the first character uh, or the, the current iteration of Sonic, what he became was not what he initially looked like. They went through a lot of different design ideas. Some really crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see and hear about some of that stuff. And it's it's kind of crazy that Mario just ended up being it, you know? But th- there some other things I want to talk about as well, because I think it's going to be fun, and, and maybe it's a little bit mundane, but I think it's also fun, is do you guys think Mario's look, like him himself his red plumber hat his red overalls his blue or sorry 
I always it's red overalls, blue undershirt, right? Or am it I, is blue overalls, red undershirt. I yes. knew I was mixing that up as soon as I said it too. God damn it! Uh, but it hasn't always w- been. It hasn't always mm-hmm. been. So I think you can um, be excused for that to a degree. Yes. Okay, just that general that general look, that, and then the, the what we consider the Italian plumber mustache. You I'm know, sorry, somebody this has is, a mustache. Uh, this is something I feel like I have to say right now because uh, while we were talking about it, I was looking for a place to stream the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Um, and I just want to throw this out there for you guys. It's currently the it, you can't re- I can't find a good place to stream it, but it's, it's just currently like three nine. It's three ninety nine for the DVD on Amazon. Right yeah, now. no, I bought the DVD because it is it is it's dirt cheap. Cause they're trying to get rid of the DVDs. Um, yeah, correct. Just yes. want to throw that out there. Uh-huh. Mm. Not not also sorry. Going back to the other thing, the the the. On that NES cartridge, they show them in the Fire Flower outfit. Yes, so, they do. So it's, it's red and white is what, you know, mm-hmm. everybody saw on that cartridge constantly with, with red overalls. So that's probably why you're having yes. a hard time. Red overalls, white undershirt for yeah. the Fire Flower power-up. Makes it hard to remember when that was the version of Mario you see. The version you were living everywhere. at every day for yeah. about a decade. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's, um... It's interesting, yeah. I his his look is. I mean, you could just literally put a hat, a mustache, and then a silhouette, and you fucking know it's him. There's a reason they did that look for three more characters after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a good point. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But uh, like one one of the things I was thinking about when I was kind of thinking about this topic is. I mean, the idea that he's an Italian plumber, is that iconic? Is that part of the icon and the, the, what makes Mario an icon? The fact that he's an Italian plumber. Like, he specifically has a job. And I, that's, it's something that's that I don't think we ever years. really think about. Like, we joke around about it, but we never really think about, why is he an Italian plumber? I don't know if I put more stock in that as someone who's from New York because all the time be like, oh, Mario's from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he, he winds up in, uh, Culturally in the Mushroom Italian. Kingdom. But yes, but he lives, about, uh, he lives about 25 minutes from me. Well, and why, why did Japan and Japanese creators and Japanese developers decide to go with that kind of a character? I think uh, the important thing to note on that, and I think it's, you know, the specifics of it maybe aren't as easy to answer, but um, a lot of it probably has to do with Jumpman uh, appearing in Donkey Kong, which was 100% a game that Nintendo was creating to break into the North American market. They had all these radar scope cabinets that had already been shipped to the United States, and they needed a game that would sell well in the U.S. that was like nothing anybody had ever seen that they could retrofit into cabinets that they had already shipped overseas. Mm. Um, yeah. So, it was, so you, it think game, it was a, you think it was a way for them to appeal to American audiences or Western audiences? They, they've been very upfront over the years that like creating those characters was like, that was a game for North American markets. It did incredibly well in Japan, obviously too. But when they were creating those characters and creating that game, they had North American markets in mind. Hmm. And that makes sense. So do you think that they cho- chose Plumber because that was what they think what, like... What Americans the... do. Yeah, we yeah, all fix exactly. toilets. Yeah. That is the, the blue-collar <laughs> job. 
You think that's it's it? definitely one of the short list of them. I think that's a big possibility of it. And I think like a stereotype, like not, not even necessarily in a bad way, just being like New York is filled with these blue collar Italian Americans. So that's what Mario is. Hmm. It's interesting. Do you think that like, and maybe, maybe I'm looking too far into it and maybe think maybe this is a, a ridiculous thought. Do you think that they were all like profiling what Italian Americans are doing in some way? It's, it's possible. Um, there's some reports that, and again, this is another piece of information that's hearsay and there's no way to verify. I believe we talk about this on the Donkey Kong episode of Chomping at the Bits. Um, some people say that there was a pizzeria called Mario's up the road from Nintendo of America headquarters and that that's where they initially got the name from and that Mario's original character model is actually modeled after the guy drawn on the box. <laughs> huh. Interesting. I wonder if there's that box out there somewhere. I mean, I, I imagine extensively the box like that. You, I've you found know the stuff. box that was just like anybody yeah. can get if you just have a, a pizzeria that just says pizza with the guy on That's it. That's like Mario's. Yeah. Like yeah. I've, I've tried to track stuff down and doing research. There's just too much stuff out in the open to like narrow that down. And even when you find something that people are like, this is the one, there's no way to know. There's no yeah. way to know if that story even has any grain of truth to it. It's all more yeah. myth than fact at this point, but right. it's fun to talk about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely interesting to at least think about and speculate. It's kind of fun. So another way I want to approach this topic, because I, I want to beat it to the ground to make sure before we move on. <laughs> oh, I can is, bring up plenty more. We're, so we're not circling back yeah. around to this one. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Thinking about Mario in terms of um, other media. In sure. What I mean is like, for example rappers or talking about like using mario or mario-esque lines in their yeah. in their rhyming schemes or or in a live action how, movie with know, hideous baby teeth <laughs> that or Bob you Hodgkins. Know, uh, other other things of that nature what are you some of your guys's experience experiences of seeing mario in other forms of media hmm. that you guys Does can anyone- think of does anyone remember that Mario 64 got milk commercial? No. Uh, I'm wondering if this was just like a, a regional thing. I have like a distinct memory seared into my head of there's a got milk commercial. I've YouTubed it. I know it's real. You can find okay. it pretty easily. I was about easily. to say, cause yeah, that um, all came out at the same time. So I didn't know if it was just a fever dream or something. A kid, a kid is falling asleep playing Mario 64. Mario like looks at the screen cause he stops moving. He then jumps out of the TV rides a skateboard into the kitchen, leaps and opens the fridge, drinks a bottle of milk, and you hear the one-up noise, and he gets bigger, and then he jumps back into the TV and stomps over Thwomp's tower. Okay. Mm, I don't remember that. It's, I'll link it in our Skype chat so you guys can watch it later, but it is, it's real. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know why I remember yeah, it so vividly, yeah. but it's a thing. All I remember, the one that I saw all the time was the smash brothers one where a bunch of people in in mascot suits beat the crap out of each other to so happy together yep i remember that as well it yeah. is a 1996 96. uh got milk commercial okay I'm trying to remember if i had t- if i had tv at that point 
because I did not have TV until my dad joined the military. Hmm. So I don't, I don't think I would have even had TV at that point in 96. Because I think it was not until... like closer to 97, 98, that we would have had cable right. TV to see that. Hmm. Well, but like, just so you guys know, because I, I wanted to look it up to give some kind of uh, idea as to where or how, how prevalent Mario is in other forms of media. I looked up the, the Mario references in lyrics or in music, I should yeah. say. Sure. And some artists like ASAP Ferg and Mop, Mob, excuse me, Mop, ASAP Mop, ASAP Mob, <laughs> Ailstorm, um, BTS, Cardi B, Charlie XCX, Childish Gambino, Eminem, Drake, um, Ice Cube, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Lil Wayne, Lil Dicky, Lil Yachty, Lonely Island, Ludacris. Mac Miller, uh, Schoolboy Q, Snoop Dogg, all all these all these. It's groups. kind of and insane people. that I know who all these people are. Like that makes me feel crazy. And, and yeah, there are a lot more too. I was listing some of the more popular ones. I was waiting for you to get around to all the country that... artists that somehow have well, Mario. <laughs> Tim McGraw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get that one up, Trace baby. Is that somebody? Yes, that is someone. someone. Okay. Um, but anyways, they either have like lyrics that are influenced by like Donkey Kong or Mario, or they have some interpolation of their sounds or their some kind of Mario theme in their music, which sure. I mean, it makes sense because even Mario is so iconic that even his, the music in his games is so iconic that mm -hmm. people constantly want to use that music. Which I can't even imagine how much they have to pay Nintendo to have the privilege of doing that. But yeah, I can't imagine that's cheap to license. But it's one of those things that's like, yeah, Mario music is iconic. Like it, even people who are not like terribly video game savvy hear a Mario noise and recognize a Mario noise. Dude, yeah, mm. like that that coin sound. You cannot tell me there's a single person in the world who would hear that sound. Oh, okay, I shouldn't say that. Anybody in the first world who would hear that sound, or even maybe the second world, that wouldn't, wouldn't be like, oh, that's Mario, or oh, I recognize that sound. And even if they don't specifically know it's from Mario, they're going to know it's from something that was in clearly and um, utterly inspired so heavily by Mario. It isn't just like, a, oh, they like that sound. It's like, they clearly, like, the artists who use this loved Mario, so they put it in there as a, yeah. as, a, um, as a way to pay tribute, and they'll know through that. So, yeah, it, yeah just even the music is so, and it's not just the music, but even the music is so iconic that it per, it's permeated and it's made its way into... Um, other forms of culture, like it, it, music. It's a huge part of popular culture in general. Um, I, this is tangentially related, but I have to get it out there while we're on sound effects, mostly because I want other people to affirm this for us, um, while we're on Nintendo video game sound effects. Um, card readers, right? Like, you know, like, that you'll run your debit card at, like the chip readers? Yeah. 
Um, I know for a fact Target uses this brand of card reader. I don't know if it's a specific company that makes these. The noise it makes to tell you to remove your credit card, please someone tell me I'm right, is the Sheikah Slate notification noise from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I swear to fucking God. Huh. I've huh. not been to a Target in a while. I'm gonna have to... Same. I swear to God, I like, I'm like, I, there was one point, like at the height of Breath of the Wild, I was in there and it still makes the same noise today. I was like, that's hmm. the fucking Sheikah Slate noise. Like, did Nintendo just get that from a sound bank? Because it's entirely possible. A lot of their stuff was from sound banks. I mean, especially earlier on. Like, I know a lot of the Ocarina of Time, like, bird sound effects like a lot of the the cuckoos and like the the kind of ambient mm-hmm. sounds that you hear in the world you'll those will be everywhere you'll you'll hear them all over the place um every now and then um actually i've been noticing a lot of those sound effects in final fantasy 14 recently whenever you like make sense fight bird enemies or whatever i'm like that's the fucking chicken from this old game or whatever there was there was there was there was a metal door opening sound effect that unfortunately was like the go-to sound effect for all of the early aughts that was a similar situation Mm -hmm. where like oh that's the metal door that you'll hear on everything sure because of a similar situation uh, I don't know if the Sheikah Slate was based on that because I, I can't even possible. Like it, uh, yeah. Sorry to derail there. But sorry, I'm talking yeah, about me. video game sound effects. Made me think of that, and I wanted to float it so we could get a response from people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, like that's the nature of some of these topics. Is there's the ability to go t- tangential. I mean, we were talking earlier about um, kind of the state of where video gaming was at 30 years ago and where it's at now. So I mean, it happens. But um, yeah. are there any other ways that you guys kind of like when you're thinking about why Mario is so, so iconic that we haven't really brought up that you guys think of when it comes to this topic? I think, and we, we touched on the bigger ones, but I think a lot of it coupled with, you know, the way it shaped platformers and what a distinct weird caricature of a character he is. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is time and place. Like video games were a smaller world when Mario was created. Yeah. And now he will forever be a staple of video games. You know, one thing that I think even helped is that when when he was a new character, they were not precious with Mario early on. There were that Mario everything. Like, there's the, the Mario movie. You've got Mario on basically every other game. You want to play Mario Paint, Mario Tetris, Mario everything. Mario Fucking, is missing? Yeah, this, Mario was everywhere. For a long time, the Super there. Mario Brothers Super Show, which I encourage anyone to go watch. Yeah, that is that shit crazy. That is, yeah, my kids watched that a ton for a while there. I don't know why. I'm, I'm. It's a that's a that's a trip. Um, but yeah, like he was absolutely everywhere, and I feel like it wasn't until they really knew what the character wanted to be that they pulled back on that stuff. Um. And really controlled the brand a lot more. Um, and mm. I think that really helps to kind of get the cultural saturation. I feel like that's something Mickey Mouse was way more everywhere earlier on than Mickey Mouse is nothing anymore. 
Like there's there's no Mickey properties. They like they have a couple kids shows, and like that's they don't use the character anymore because it's more important as a brand the, icon. Then to be fair, those newer Mickey cartoons Disney makes are actually very good. Yeah, yeah, but like, but again, like they're they're very tightly controlling the reins on that compared to earlier on. In in a in a similar fashion, yeah, and definitely in a similar fashion to Mario. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious if that has something to do with it because he was a, he a was everywhere of, for us as a kid. For for the record, a lot of that actually shaped things that uh, happened with uh, like the the Paper Mario games and things like that. If you remember early on, like think of Super Mario RPG and like the first mm-hmm. two Paper Mario games, where there's a lot more wacky shit going on, and then to understand like internal development stories and stuff like. The higher-ups in Nintendo got a lot more precious about what could and couldn't happen in a Mario game and what characters you could and couldn't use. Um, like, making unique characters like Boshi and, like, the unique, like, Koopa and Goomba characters that would appear in the Paper Mario games wasn't really allowed anymore. Um, a lot of the enemy types for things that appeared in, like, Super Mario World that kind of only appear in Super Mario World and then disappear yeah. were not things they were really permitted to use anymore. Which, in my opinion, sucks because they had a lot more fun with Mario back then. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't think it's good for the brand. I understand why they want to do it, but long term, ninety percent of our copyright bullshit these days is a them killing all of culture as a whole, but b them hurting their own brands long term. Because remember, you can draw Winnie the Pooh fucking whoever you want now, guys, and exactly, I encourage you to exactly. do it. Exactly. Now, now that you can, you should. Um, he can't have a red shirt on, but he doesn't need it for what I'm going to have him doing. No, you can have a red shirt, just not that exact red shirt. Because yeah, okay, he was fair. drawn with a so, red shirt like originally. So. so to be fair, he can wear a red shirt that says slut. Exactly. He just can't look exactly like the Disney interpretation of it. Which, that leaves a lot of room. Like, there's... Anyway. There's some, there's some legal wiggle room there. We're going to make yes. something happen. Exactly. Um, mm. but, yeah. but yeah, no, I feel like, I mean, why do we all know who Sherlock Holmes is? It's because we can all make Sherlock Holmes media. Like, that's, it's fucking everywhere because everyone can make, can put their spin on it. Um, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes is an iconic character, even if he's been told in a million different ways. Um, yeah. And I feel like early on, Nintendo kind of let that happen. And then they've or were at least more open to the idea. Yeah, and then they've drastically pulled happen. back on it. Which I like that's yeah. pull back on it even internally because mm-hmm. the idea that they don't even trust their own teams to like I generally one of the things I miss most about iterating on Mario is those wacky new characters we would get in the Paper Mario games. Like yeah. it kind of sucks that in the newer ones all you get are like there's a hundred toads that are basically identical in this game. Mm-hmm. I I think part of that is, to be honest with you, I think they realized how much money there was to be made in the different iterations of Mario. Obviously, they had the original platformers, and then they were like, okay, let's make Mario Kart. We made a lot of money off that, so let's make sure nobody can imitate that as much as... Uh, like down to the to the coding and whatnot of what we're doing here. Oh, we can make an RPG with Mario. Let's not let anybody else try and do that. Oh, okay, we can do that with sports games. We can do that with party games. We can do that with fighting games. And basically, they've realized that 
wow, this, this character really is that iconic. And if we don't maximize our profits and just do everything we can to put him in all sorts of games, then we'd be doing ourselves a disservice and we'd be losing out on money. So I think they've realized over time, and maybe this was intentional or not, who knows, where they let people be a little bit more open with kind of putting Mario in their games and or just experimenting with Mario as a as a brand, as an icon, as a as a character. And then they're like, okay, we see what the response is from these. So let's make our official Nintendo branded version of that and prevent others from doing that. Yeah, they're not licensing Mario out to be in other things anymore. It's not a right. Same for that weird Ubisoft deal. Right. I'm I'm saying like maybe maybe it was intentional that they early on they were like, let's see. I think it was way more valuable. Make off of Mario. Yeah, I think it was way more valuable of a property to just brand wise i mean you you had so much like like i was saying earlier like you had so much more market saturation of mario because they let whatever just have mario in it um yeah yeah and and now they don't really need anyone to you know make a mario cartoon so people know who mario is at this point like it just people know who Mario is. Yeah. And there, there's a certain jumping off point too, where like you see a certain fear to let Mario have too much of a personality. Um, because he needs to be more of a cipher, but thankfully we do get one beautiful thing out of that, which is that anything that is like super charming and super has to have a personality and be really a character gets instead hoisted on Luigi, who is like mm-hmm. a thousand times the character Mario actually is. Um, in, in ways that I think are awesome. Like, they can't portray Mario as like a bumbling idiot, so Luigi gets to be the bumbling coward and just mm-hmm. be lovable. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Luigi not wanting to pay to have the car parked in in the la- the last Paper Mario is still just the funniest it's, fucking joke to me. There's what one of my favorite through lines of Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door is um you keep checking back in in the main town and Luigi is there with these this cast of characters that Luigi seems to be kind of going on his own adventure with his own party, mm-hmm. but when you talk to them, none of them seem to even like him. Like, they're there, like, begrudgingly or because Luigi owes them money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting that the other characters that they've kind of established have been able to flourish in some ways. But, um, be- yeah, even then, directly it because like it's, of it's a very controlled flourishing. For sure. For sure it is. They're very yeah. precious about it. In some ways that make sense to me, and in other ways that... I shouldn't say that don't make sense. Like I get them, but I think they're being a little too precious for their own good in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. And no, I mean like that's part of what makes Mario as a brand. So, so marketable, the, the, the benchmark for Ensel. Well, that too, the, (laughs) the benchmark for excellence is because they have controlled that narrative so much. And I, I, there's something to be said about that. This is like, because because of that control that when somebody says Mario, you think, ah, oh, Mario, like in a positive and happy, feel good way. Generally, mm-hmm. I, I don't know too many people who are like, oh, fuck Mario. Fuck that. And like, I, I don't I can't recall ever hearing anybody saying that. Yeah, I'm sure I'm you kind of have DMs. to go out of your I've way met this week after the show goes up saying that. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's a dumb opinion. If you think that you have bad opinions. 
Well, like, yeah. I, I yeah, understand like, your parents bought you a Sega when you were growing up. Like, I understand, but it's, it's okay to grow past that at this point. No, it's not. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no, but, yeah, it's, it's also a shame because I think if you look at the past, that some of those explorations of Mario as a brand have been really fascinating. I, I mean, I know... Granted, I know I haven't played the Paper Marios, but Super Mario RPG was so creative, and mm-hmm. it was such a just a, a a far left difference of what the rest of Mario was. And I wish that you know they had the ability now to just allow for that exploration <sighs> more. The worst part you know, about that like is that. I, I don't know who owns the character or whatnot, or if he's collectively owned. So without both parties signing off, it can never. Gino's the best character. Only mm. only exists in that, and it's like, I I could yeah. I could do with you know another dozen games about Gino. I'd imagine we'll Square never owns them. that character. Well, but yeah, again, but I I guess my guess is that Square owns the character, but also can't make anything with the character without yeah some sort of sign off like, or something like that. Yeah, that's very likely the case. Yeah, again, that, rules got weird about original characters in those Mario games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame that um some of those characters will never be explored further or if they are somehow brought in, they will be a, at best a cameo nowadays, you know, I mean, that's yeah. kind of where Nintendo's at. And it's, it's a shame. I mean, that's, that's the downside of something like my Mario is an icon and a brand being so quote unquote excellent and how controlled it is, is you miss out on some of those opportunities that you think it'd be fun to explore that. Um, but I mean, before, like before we get, we actually do start circling back around. I think, I mean, I think we've explored this topic pretty well. I, I think we could get a little bit more into it, but for the most part, we would start circling back around. Do you guys have any final thoughts on this topic? Um, if you want some more deep Mario, go listen to that chomping at the bits. But I think we, we had a good conversation here, brought up a lot of points that make sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's fun to think about sometimes why things are, the way they are you know even if it's if it's just like especially the equivalent if of you and your buddies getting a beer sitting on a porch just bullshitting i think those are always really fun topics and that's kind of what this topic feels like it's just a there, there's we're not trying to solve anything here we're not trying to definitively say anything we're just we're just talking you know like we all love video gaming we've all had a large amount of exposure to Mario over the years. Why, why is he so iconic? And like, what it's, it's interesting to just kind of think about, I think, you know, just ha- sit down and have those kind of conversations from time to time with your buddies. So that's kind of Absolutely. why I wanted to do this topic in the first place. And then it just happened to line up with, um, rich doing his chopping at the bits episode. I didn't even know that was his next episode when I put this, uh, line this up for our topic for this week. And it just happened to fall that way. Mm-hmm. life is uh helpful sometimes yeah and it's interesting because i was thinking about pushing this topic back a week for what we're about to talk about next but a i had already done polls that are directly related to this topic and b with rich having dropped that episode i i didn't want to push it back i figured why not just do it at this point i'm really glad we did mm-hmm. but let's get into uh and by the way uh i I, I I have to be fully honest. I didn't do any posts this week for this 
or the other topic, I was really busy the last few days, um, partially due to getting everything set up with what I talked about in the intro. Um, also, some other things, I had some appointments going on, changing my job, all sorts of stuff the last few days that I had no time to make the post. So it's just going to be our, our opinions this week. I apologize to the listeners who may have wanted to comment. Um, and they're bad. <laughs> and I'm sorry to you guys that I wasn't able to get some more perspectives in here. Because I think that our fans probably would have had some really unique perspectives on why they think Mario is so iconic. But, um, you know, maybe maybe that's something we'll revisit in the future in a in a not specifically this topic, but a way for them to comment on this. So we'll we'll I'll I'll, I'll think about that and get back to you. But yeah, just just so I'm being fully transparent, I I wasn't trying to purposefully prevent people or anything like that. Just I was busy this week and time got away from me. So, uh, but let's get into the uh, news and we're we're a little. Unfortunately, because of our recording schedule, we are a little bit behind on actually sitting down to officially talk about this and get this out there because I'm sure people have already talked about this to death ad nauseum out there. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the recent acquisition, um, Microsoft buying Activision and Blizzard for 60 plus billion dollars. Um Sort of a big that, day for them. Yeah, I th- what is the exact amount? Sixty-seven point eight billion. Uh, it yeah, was believe, just yeah. shy of sixty-nine billion, <laughs> which would have been fucking hot. It was, it was like sixty-eight point seven or something. I, I don't know the exact it, figure up top of my head. It was almost seventy billion dollars. Yes. Let, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If act or sorry, if Microsoft would have bought them for sixty-nine million, that would have been billion. The sorry, billion. I mean. That would have been the ultimate irony of all ironies. Um, that would have that, been too that, much. Well, I mean, because the world of would the have recent imploded. Activision and Blizzard allegations that $69 billion would have been fucking hilarious, is what I'm saying. That's but, fair. Um, yeah, let's get into this. Would have been a sign this... that nothing would have changed. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So, really quickly, if you somehow have been just oblivious to what happened, um, a li- about a week or a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago at this point, Microsoft released a public statement saying they were going to evaluate what they were going to do about their relationship with Activision and Blizzard going forward. And it made it sound as if they were going to possibly remove Activision and Blizzard stuff off of their ecosystem or figuring out some other way to kind of remove them from the situation. Like, put some distance between the two because what's happening still to this day at Activision and Blizzard is pretty nasty and how it's it hasn't been solved yet there's still a lot of uh what ifs what's going to happen to this company and then out of nowhere this news drops and I remember waking up being like what the fuck that Microsoft ended up picking them up for the the most expensive acquisition of one studio of another in video gaming in history and more it's, money it's, than you can fathom right exactly and it's like bethesda was a big deal and it was a fraction of this right exactly yeah. and th- that's kind of crazy to me and um that means that all of activision and blizzard's ips are under the roof of microsoft and, and microsoft studios now and so that means obvious ones like overwatch diablo uh call of duty 
yeah, Call of Duty, which which World also just if somehow you've heard this but not heard the rest of the news, they've already had conversations with Sony. Call of Duty specifically is not leaving PlayStation. So right, for, right for the future. Which duh, I imagine duh. they might make that deal for like, a few games. Yeah, Call of Duty well, being I, the big one. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, Sorry, I was gonna no, get that, into... it sounds like that's. I'm glad you don't want to lose that, that install base for these sort of games. I'm I'm glad you're bringing that up now because I was gonna say that there was a statement released by Microsoft today, actually saying we're we're going to play nice with Sony, and a lot of people are filling in the blanks and putting the uh, added parentheses for now. <laughs> you know, um, you don't know what well, the landscape looks like in a yeah few years it, yes. and anything could change but also especially seeing sony moving so much stuff to steam lately it seems like these companies have realized that having their games on as many platforms as possible is where the money actually is because they're not nobody's making a lot of money on the actual hardware sales which um, it seems insane that they couldn't have realized this sooner because the money has always been in software yeah. For years, these companies have deliberately taken a loss on hardware because they just need to get their box in people's hands so they will buy the software. Yeah. Mm. And it seems like for, like for a long time, it was like, we're going to make these games in-house, and so we want people to buy our console and then be locked into it so we make the licensing money. Sure. And then recently it's been, well, let's just publish. Let's buy these developers and publish their games on whatever that way we're not making licensing money we're just making money for having released the game on whatever um see i kind of expect them to play nice at this point because it just seems like it makes more sense monetarily anyway um it's just it's just a better call um uh, for them to actually mm. make the most money yeah yeah, exactly. Not because they it's... care about any of us. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so they, they acquired all these IPs. And um, so, yeah, I want to kind of sit down and, and talk about this kind of what were your guys' first thoughts when that, when that news dropped? What do you think the implications are for the future? What do you think that means about the current situation? that is still unresolved with Bobby Kotick at Activision and Blizzard and kind of the culture that is there. Um, so let's kind of just, let's start with your guys' first impressions. When that news dropped, what, do you, what did you guys think? Surprised, but I... I, I don't know. It, I feel like we weren't getting a lot of the details up front and that these things were going to slowly change as time went on. Because a big part of this uh, Microsoft Blizzard Activision, like what makes it appealing to Blizzard, obviously, is the facelift it comes with, the optics. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh, what were kind of your first impressions? Um, my first thought is that this essentially means... Um, the deal does not go through until next year. It's it's still a ways out just because of all the hurdles jumping through selling something this large, but that's just business in general, yeah, especially um, something this large of a scale. But because of that, I'm kind of worried that 
until everything gets finalized there, absolutely nothing positive will happen in this next year because there's no incentive to. Like, why, why would the board do anything to fix anything? We have money in our future lined up on the doorstep. Well, we, we just have to sit here and wait for it. Why would they fix anything at this point? I have to imagine there are some sort of clauses in lining up for this deal that obviously they can't do anything specifically to tank the brand before then, but not doing anything seems like that would not violate that. And I'm kind of, I'm worried that this means nothing will improve until there are new people making it improve. And it's not, that's not super hopeful to me. I mean, again, we'll kind of see what happens once things change hands, but that kind of leaves everything up in the air for a long time for, for these people that, um, That's it's not. That's that can't be it a great feeling. It also buys them time, it, it, but it also buys them time to not answer questions. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of what I That's was a long enough amount too. of time for people to forget, and then we don't have to fix anything, um, as well. So, hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Is that it's it's like initially to be honest with you, and I'll I'll, I'll get into what I was just saying uh, about to say. I was so fucking. I was so shocked to wake up to that news. I was I I would never have expected that, to be honest with you. And it's such an interesting mm. cultural shift, po- like the possibility of a cultural shift, which we'll kind of get into what we think that means for the future. But one of my first thoughts was, okay, so what does this mean about the Bobby Kotick, Activision Blizzard lawsuit situation that's going on right now? And the fact that it's not going to be taken fully into effect for almost a year basically means they have time to, like you said, not answer questions, and they have time to try and quote unquote get the situation resolved one way or the other. Whether it's they're gonna buy Bobby Kotick out, which seems probably like the most likely scenario, um, they're they're and then let him deal with the situation while that he personally is facing while the company deals with what they're facing like once they get the main guy out then it's a little bit easier to handle that situation right so um yeah they 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 have some time to kind of figure that stuff out now which is really evaluate and restructure yes exactly so that's really smart of them to do it that way but yeah just i i couldn't believe that that had happened and um that'll kind of lead into what we think about the future is that i you know, we grew up in a time where there were so many different studios. And gra- granted, there was Nintendo making games, but they had more third parties, I think, working on games that were more popular reasonably on their systems back in the day um, in terms of tri- AAAs and stuff like that versus now where it's like it a, a lot of... a completely different landscape. Yes. Where now it feels like everything is starting to fall under a few hoods. And then a lot of indie games. So it's like the triple, like the triple A and everything in between up until indies largely falls under a few hoods. And then indies, you know, that's 
there are hundreds of stu- indie it's studios. It's no man's land, and it's a very vague term at this point, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Not at all. Not at all. And so I think that's kind of what the landscape looks like right now. And to be honest, it worries me, if, I, if I'm being honest with you. I think you. it should. I think it should, dude. And it worries me for a couple of reasons. Um, and we were talking about this on our Discord with some of our patrons and whatnot, and uh, non-patrons as well. For me, and, I, and I've watched some videos on this too, it worries me because obviously I think in the next generation or two, I, I mean, hardware will still exist, but it's going to be for older generations of people who like to collect things. And I think what we're going to end up seeing is this shift to where instead of having medium that we put in to something it's going to be digital and it's going to go beyond the console to where it's it's like an app that where we we download an app and we pay for yeah. kind of like game pass now but it's going to be like well an, that's what an X-Cloud evolved is, right? version of that where basically um we, we pay a fee and then we have access to these games on our tvs on any kind of device and the thing that bothers me a little bit, bit about that is it's probably going to get to the point to where we won't own any of this stuff, which for some people, that's fine. I mean, like, it's not the end of the world. I, I thought really negatively of Spotify for the longest time, and I use Spotify now, and I love it, and I understand okay. people have their own opinions of that because artists don't get paid a lot of that money, and I, I respect that. I mean, I, I support artists in other ways, like buying merch and paying for live concerts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I, for one, am grateful that the corporate overlords allow us to enjoy music at all. Um, <laughs> I... No, I think you're 100% correct, though, Shay. Uh, and this, Microsoft is at the forefront of that, to be fair. And that xCloud tech is neat. And what I think it's going to turn to at first, I think, say, by the time we get to what would be the next console cycle, right? I think what you're going to see is a world where that is the norm. That it's an app, it's available on everything, it's available on PC, and you know you have your digital library and you stream stuff. And then I think also there's still going to be consoles that generation, but they're going to feel more like a prestige item. And it's like, if you buy the box, you can play everything natively and it runs a little better. It looks a little better, but this is for people who want to spend that extra money to have the more impressive performance. Yeah. yeah I mean, the cloud yeah, versions that- of games on the switch are kind of a, the same thing. Um, right. Yeah. And it's cool that those are happening because it's allowing games that the switch can't handle to come to that device. And that's really cool. Yeah. The tech yeah. works. We're at I a think, point where it works and it's cool. Yeah. I, again, like the ecosystem is the, where this falls short, the whole, Oh, it has to be on stadia. No one's, no one wants a stadia. No one wants to like, <laughs> what's a Luna you idiots. Yeah. Like stadia having, sense. having the ability to just have the game run that way on on whatever is a big deal um and having them wherever is a big deal and that like the uh, the thing that's most appealing to me about the xcloud thing as somebody who used to travel a lot more is like throw an xbox controller in your bag and go to a hotel and play the games you were playing at home wherever and pick and if you're switching devices right now xcloud does work that good like from streaming it on like a fucking tablet to your pc and the saves just going and like it's seamless. That tech works. It's really cool. Not too many people are using it yet, but it's there and it works. Yeah. Yeah, they've not brought it up a lot as a huge selling feature, but that's something that I really think the Steam Deck could do excellently is just give you 
if as long as long as they decide to put any effort into that, they could make it some that could definitely be a feature to make that within the next two, three years easy, and I think sooner maybe impossibly I, I can't wait for it to be to tell you the truth. Um smart TVs are gonna have native apps for that stuff. For like, sure. I yeah. I wish my smart TV had a native app for that Xbox streaming stuff now. That would be great. That would yeah. be phenomenal. Yeah. And I want to jump back to something that Josh, you were starting to say about like jokingly about Stadia is I think Stadia largely didn't work for, for the average customers because they didn't have deals in place. Like Microsoft is putting into place right now. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I'm saying that is the main reason. Um, Yeah, no, they needed those deals because the issue was the hardware. If, if Stadia was just an app, like, Hey, like just like Netflix, Netflix being an app on everything is one of the reasons it did so well. It's one reason it took off. If instead of having to have, you know, their dumb controller or whatever, you just paid for your subscription and put the Stadia app on your PlayStation or whatever, how much better or would that have sold? Yeah, the idea that you didn't have to buy their native controller and be like, I could just use this fucking Xbox controller I already own. Yeah, like, I I just need a Stadia app on my PC. Like, there are so many ways they could have implemented it to make getting into their subscription service much, much more easy than feeling like you're locked in to, like, it it, it was not well well thought out. I mean, it would be fair. That's that's part of it, but what I think, and this is this is kind of like one of the bigger implications of Microsoft doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. is that Microsoft has been amassing all these studios for the past four years, I would say. Yeah. We've been hearing them slowly and slowly and slowly starting to pick up these studios. They started with smaller ones. Then um, we started with uh, some of the bigger studios, like Ninja Theory, and then they started getting some of the bigger ones, like uh bethesda and now they're going big and what i think they're doing is they are looking 10 years 20 years 30 years ahead and this is something that like i don't want to sit here and bash sony and i i've i've had some of these stupid discussions well i think it would be dumb to do that considering they already own way more studios than microsoft this is microsoft playing catch-up they're still well, nowhere this, near as big as Sony as far as no, owning studios. No, Microsoft right. is playing catch up, but what they're also doing is thinking far enough ahead. Where, so, like Sony, yes, Sony has a lot more studios, but I would say that they don't have they don't have the leg up that Xbox currently has with their Game Pass. Now they they are projected to have their own. Um, streaming service up and running here fairly soon and i get that i'd imagine that's a rush order and i imagine it's going to be a big hit because there are more playstation players than there are xbox players well also for sure like we were mentioning earlier it is a streaming service not a download the game thing like game pass it is it is a streaming service more like stadia where you're streaming the game more like what more like what playstation now currently is yeah Right now, PlayStation now, I, I'd imagine whatever their probably service split is going the difference. to be, I've, I've, I, I think it's going to absorb PlayStation now because... I think so, too. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good library already in PlayStation now. The only problem is it isn't a very modern library. Yes. Um, yes. 
I, I've it, I've got to imagine that things merge. There's no way they have two streams. There's no way they're going like to have yeah, two separate services. It's going to rebrand its name and have more modern titles, but yes. and, and then I think have more of that design functionality of yes, you can stream stuff, also you can download it and have yeah. it, you know, installed on the hardware and perform yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's, what you that's want. the way to do it. I think frankly, that's something that I think Game Pass needs to go to. Oddly enough, like I think there like are I was talking cloud, earlier. You, you can do that with if you're in XCloud. Yes, in XCloud, but like, kind of what I was getting at is, I, 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 again, I don't know if the different publishers would be on board with this, but if you just had an app, like here, let me let me pull my Game Pass games on my PlayStation or whatever. Just Honestly, I, at wild. some point, I can see them making a deal where their streaming services are available on each other's each other's hardware. Hardware. I, I could see it happening. I think we are a number of years. I think we're at least a console cycle away from that being reality. Yeah, but I, I don't, don't think see it's it in the, the immediate table. future. But I do think with them, it's where this with road both leads. companies acquiring as many developers as possible. It seems like they understand this is kind of where the money is. Eventually, they're going to have to shake hands and realize that splitting the difference with each other is the best way for them both to be filthy fucking rich. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and, and or I just mean, some, the TV app thing, kind of like we were mentioning earlier. Just like, what's the point of well. the consoles in the, in the first place? So I think I, some people are theorizing that Xbox is going to end up buying enough studios and they're going to s- swing their dick around enough to make PlayStation try or not make, I should say prompt playstation or sony to try and play nice to have their their streaming service on playstation at some point which i think is ridiculous uh but it's i i guess there's a a world where that's possible but i think that's also like a doom saying at that point but yeah i mean xbox is looking of the future and they're trying to they're really trying to put themselves forward i mean these acquisitions yeah. those I, are some of the biggest those are some of the biggest games right now and those are some of the biggest games of the the yeah. near past and so and like for anybody to say that like sony isn't sweating this i mean their stocks went down by the largest substantial amount since 2008 um i think is silly I think this is a very much a matter of people not having any clue what the fuck's going on because again like or I was how saying this business works <laughs> it's like they they still Sony is a much bigger publisher than Microsoft even once this deal goes through um but the, the, the difference is yes, the but, recent purchase of so many high profile studios makes Microsoft look more appealing to from the outside looking in like I don't I, that's not lost on me I yeah, yeah no no I, I got a butt in here. I got to kind of disagree. Yeah, go ahead. And, and the reason why I disagree simply is because Call of Duty is so fucking big right now. It is one of the... Granted, they're having some issues with their most recent release. I, I'm not ignoring that. But it is one of the biggest money generators in gaming right now, besides Fortnite, besides Minecraft. Um, it is one of the biggest money generators. And sure. it, it all depends on... like I. It's not necessarily there's a right or wrong answer to this. It's all how you look at it. From a financial standpoint, yes, Microsoft just dropped close to $69 billion. That's a lot of money. Yeah, this will bump them up above Nintendo, but that's it. They're still going to be well behind Tencent and Sony. Well, also, (laughs) and, and to be fair, this is something we haven't discussed at all yet, which I think is important to note is 
the thing people are talking less about, maybe people who know more about this industry, or, and I definitely saw people discussing it in the comments on some of the posts you were making, Shay, on Instagram and all that. Mm. Um, the most valuable acquisition Microsoft actually gets in this is King. Yeah. Which yeah. is Activision's mobile division. Yes. That is, you know, you talk about things like uh, Call of Duty Mobile and fucking, you know, purveyors of Candy Crush. Like, because that's not gaming how we define gaming and what this podcast is about. Like, that's a market of middle-aged moms who are gambling addicts um, that they've just tapped. Yeah. See, it's, I I mean, it's not, it's definitely not just that. I mean, like the Candy Crush, yes, but. um, Uh, That's hyperbole, but that's that's part of it. Yeah. Because like, there are a Mm -hmm. lot of teenagers and young adults and uh, children in a generation, you know, what people affectionately or not affectionately call Zoomers, Gen Z, and even but people who that. don't don't play traditional video games. Is, yeah, that's I, actually I, we we mentioned this earlier with with wages stagnating the way they have. A ton of kids have hand me down smartphones and don't have their own consoles. Like it just we we make fun of it like oh it's just a bunch of old ladies. It's also the generation below us. Like like we may be the only generation that games games because we home, the only we existed in the five years that that was, you know, financially responsible. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it just like, I think that's a really good point, though, Rich, is that the it helps them break into the mobile, mobile market because Tencent, yeah, they got it. Like, they yeah. have tons of mobile games. That's you where just the money look is, at their maybe. lineup. It's massive. That's a large part of how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say at this point, Granted, I don't know too much about it. I think Sony probably has the least amount that I can think of as of right now. If you compare like Tencent, Nintendo, if you want to throw it in there, because they, they, they have a decent amount. Um, they make Microsoft almost double Sony. the others. Sony. Sony, yeah. Really? Any given year. Because of the in mobile. of market. Sh- no, 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 not in mobile, but. I'm saying mobile. Oh, I didn't. I don't, I don't know the numbers on that. I, I, can't I was talking on that. So. Everything, mobile and console, like PC, all all the gaming combined is. Kind uh, of, yeah. As far as the mobile market goes, I don't. I I couldn't tell you how big Sony's presence is. I haven't looked into My that. My guess too is much. not huge because I've not I seen it. Surprised. Yeah, probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised to see it go either way. Like, but stuff that we just don't know you, about. Yeah, you can't understate how big. King's presence is in the mobile market, though. That is a huge acquisition for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what's funny about that? Uh, at the end of last year, they sold um, one of the mobile gaming subsidiaries for $1 billion. <laughs> yeah. So they actually yeah, got a little of bit out of yeah. mobile yeah. gaming. Just one. We weren't using that one. Mm-hmm. Right. For a billion. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I guess we could let it go. Right, so... Uh, maybe there's more mobile gaming with Sony than I currently know about. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how hearing. they're how they are making all that money, but they're but, making it. But they're making it. Yeah, Sony is just they're they're in. It, yeah, PlayStation is making a ton ton currently. Um, yeah, not a shocking revelation exactly, but yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's kind of take this conversation in a different direction of kind of like. What what we we talked about like from a financial st- standpoint and whatnot what this means for the future. I want to talk about kind of like our personal feelings about it. 
And um, one of the things is, I got to be honest with you guys, I'm a little bit concerned because of the the creativity, the variability, and the quality. Um, Mm -hmm. Those aren't the only ones we have to talk about, but I think those for me are some of the some of the aspects of this acquisition that I really think about like the creativity. We, we just spent almost 45 minutes talking about Mario. And one of the things we brought up is as Nintendo tightened its reins on that, on that IP, on that, um, that, um, sorry, that brand that mm-hmm. it lost some of its creativity, which granted there's still a ton of, creativity in mario and i'm not taking that away from it but well, yeah it no, lost no. some of it i would say I it's think that's way less experimental than it used to be like there's... that's probably the best way to put it yeah and my concern and I, I know not everybody shares this some people see it in a more positive and optimistic way and i respect that for me personally i feel like having all of this under one giant massive hood that there there's the possibility of that now i'm not saying that's the case yeah. i doubt I doubt Microsoft has the time to go in and quality check and quality control every single one. And it's going to be like maybe a kind of like surface to mid surface level of like, let's just make sure the quality is there. We're not going to regulate exactly what you put into your game as long as it's nothing, you know, heinous or anything like that. But this is nothing gross or weird, right? Right. Uh, Just making sure that the, the, the Microsoft standard is there and then release it. But I think yeah. that's also going to have a propensity for everything being in one culture that there is going to be less creative ideas being either workshopped or being allowed to be brought to fruition. Maybe that's an th- insecure fear there. I'm not sure, it, but that's one. It's of my hard fears. to say. A lot of this is just which way the market's going at a given time because a lot of the smaller studios that have been picked up and published by by these big companies a lot a lot of the smaller studios that Sony's picked up that Ubisoft has picked up that Microsoft has been p- picking up a lot of smaller indie to sort of B tier studios the smaller ones recently they're still letting them make basically whatever they want to make because that's they bought them for a reason um, and a couple generations ago, this was a matter of, we're going to buy these studios and just make them make exactly what we want them to. And none of it worked out. Um, and I'm hoping that they kind of learned how poorly that went for them the last time. And we don't see this just, just complete crackdown of, of you know, any creativity coming out of the AAA space. Um, mm. Because the best that. I can hope for is, and this is like wishful thinking almost, is that you start to think and you're like, the more you accrue and the bigger the company gets, sometimes some really cool stuff slips through the cracks that if yeah, like it yeah. was a t- tighter reins might have never happened. You know, you got to see the hopeful side of it too. Yeah, and that still happens occasionally. The The downside to that, and we've seen this a lot with... Again, other huge companies buying up everything, throwing everything at the wall. A lot of times you don't get sequels to the stuff that does work. 
I mean, look at Netflix. How many great shows have they killed after one season because no it didn't, it didn't perform the exact numbers we wanted? And they'll make that decision as early as like two days after at this point. Yeah, that's and such I, a I'm kind of worried more about that than about just never seeing any experimentation, but more about, oh, this is a cool idea that I'd really like to see fleshed out more. And that sort of thing might not happen as much as we as much as we want. I think that's a valid concern. Absolutely. It's a really valid concern because uh, some recent news came out about Netflix yesterday about um, not hitting their projected margin that, that they wanted. And that, again, that gets into more economic growth and uh, finances and stuff like that. I don't really want to talk about that too much more, but let's get really deep into that because (laughs) they're, well, I I couldn't, I don't have the knowledge nor the, the care. Let's Um, just make it up. (laughs) We'll we'll fake it. We'll pretend we know. So so they've lost, they've lost some money and their, their stocks have kind of plummeted as a result. Netflix, it feels like they're always going through that kind of ebb and flow, but 100% Netflix is really, really notorious for starting TV shows. And then they're not the necessarily the highest quality. They're not necessarily like Star Trek next generation or, um, you know, uh, breaking bad that level of tv and i only said those two because i love them but um you wanted to TV. give us both ends of the spectrum there right uh breaking bad not being as good as star trek next yeah Generation. yeah here's the tv idea i have breaking bad in space mm. no uh but anyways um so they'll, they'll start these shows that are pretty good and then they often kill them and like yeah what one of the one of the things that still bothers me and it's going to bother me if nothing ever comes of it is Mindhunter. One of the greatest TV shows that have been made in the past 10 years. Granted, there, there, it's not just Netflix on that, but a large part of it is net- Netflix killing that show. It is one of the greatest shows. They that actually most released have... more of it, but they didn't tell anyone where it was. You have to figure it out. <laughs> you have to find it. That's part yeah. of the hunt. I really like that show too, Shay. So I'm with you there. Yeah, it, it completely killed it. And it's like, I was so, and I still am so attached to that TV show and I'll probably never get any, anything mm. else from it. And there is a clear lack of resolution in that show. And that is, a oh very, yeah, no, no, you, you need to learn to live is, with that. Just like every version of the tick. <laughs> Precisely. Right. And that they've, is verified. They've made the beginning of the tick countless times at this point and, and never, never gone anywhere with it because it always Mm. gets canceled and each Mm. each different iteration of it has been amazing in its own way right you'll never know i can't speak to that but sure yes uh (laughs) i think that it is a verifiable concern looking at something like netflix to be concerned about that with gaming with microsoft's mega acquisition with sony in part having all these acquisitions is and like we we just talked about it with nintendo like we were kind of joking around but also kind of serious about super mario rpg with that character yeah um that they they, started making their own rpgs after that i i am a little bit concerned with them possibly starting a new ip or new game that is amazing and they end it on a cliffhanger something like god of war 2018 and then never going back to it, it's especially mm-hmm. if they it doesn't generate the amount of streams or revenue that they want. And that is that's so fucking 
it pisses me off. Um, but then again, the that, that happens a lot with it, smaller studios too. We're just, it's not that no one's making money. It, it, like the company no longer exists because it didn't make make enough money. It's it's not unique to this, but well, yeah. I mean, like that's one one of the things I wanted to get into with that. Like, because you're you're right, Josh. Is the the lack of advertisement with some of those things is really bad. Like, if I th- and I'm I'm sorry I keep harping on this, but like I think about Mine Hunters that was so poorly advertised and had it it been av- yeah. advertised well enough, especially with the, the serial killer phenomenon that there currently still somehow exists for the past seven or eight years, you would have thought that if they advertised that correctly, that would have been a huge show. There, everything pointed to it being a good show, but the lack of advertisement is what killed it. You think of stuff in the past where Microsoft has botched that. Like I still to this day think about how Meat Boy, it took Meat Boy years to catch on for that game to be as popular as it was because of the fucking snafu that they had with getting it on the marketplace and then the lack of advertisement where they promised it was supposed to be on the front page of the 360 um, dashboard and then it was nowhere to be found. So it took that game years to make its money back. I think about shit like that, you know? And with all of these acquisitions... There's only going to be so much space to advertise so many games. So there's going to be a lot more games kind of slipping through the cracks. Now, is that different from now? Probably not. Probably not. But now I will have a scapegoat. It's important to have something to jump to in those situations. Yeah. That's why they, that's why they call it Jumpman Part 2. Uh-huh. People have said that, maybe. Nobody here. Nobody here is that Certain. generous. Certainly not me. <laughs> right but yeah it's it's it is a it's a real concern um and you know like touching upon some of those uh those other characteristics or concerns that i i i brought up it just yeah i i i don't know i don't know it, it doesn't i don't like monopolies in general and granted this is not a monopoly it is getting closer to one and it's getting closer to having like two or three studios, four technically, that have so much power. And I don't like that because, um, yeah, sometimes corporations and companies like that like to swing their dick around when somebody doesn't play ball. And that makes us miss out on opportunities or makes creators miss out on opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on, I'm on board with the, companies need to not be this big just period but also yeah. from the actual effects it'll have i don't think that's as big of a deal anymore just because it is a lot easier to get your game out online just just wherever on on yeah. so many different places now and granted a lot of that's still on pc um yeah and that's not but by market share that's not huge but it's still pretty big. PC is still very big, much more so than it's ever been. Um, yes, and it does sure. make it a whole lot harder for something like this to just completely chill the market. Um, mm. So I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. It kind of it gives me hope that it is a little bit less decentralized than it has been in the past. Um, hope is all we have. That 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 is true. Um, 
but I, I guess to like look at this from an optimistic standpoint, let's let's try doing that for a little bit because <laughs> no, I don't want to just optimism. be all doom and gloom here. Because there there are some fuck you. <laughs> there are positive implications. Um, Rich, it really hurts me when you say that because you're not over here to actually follow through with your uh, proposal. Mm. So I will start over there my, in the land my of the blue balls. Asked me not to comment at this time. I like to simply and kindly ask that you go drown yourself in the river. But anyways, um, I was so, going to do that after the show anyway. Oh, good. Cause I was going to do it too. After having to listen to your fucking voice. Fucking asshole. <laughs> Fuck you, punk bitch. Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> anyways. I'm going to go live with mom. <laughs> too bad. I'm already living in her bed. Fucking her. Got him. Wait, I, my mom's have, alive. We never, we never had like, that kind of banter. I don't do that shit. That was anymore. fun. Feels good. Yeah. Feels good to <laughs> razz my friends. Anyways, um, but I think one of the positives of this is for the most part, and like correct me if I'm wrong, Microsoft has a pretty decent to good culture around it right now. I mean, ever since it's not the greatest. Like, I'm not trying to say it is fan- phenomenal, fantastic, but they have a pretty decent to good culture around it. I, I, I'd say, like, when I think about them picking up Bethesda, Bethesda was kind of like on a downward spiral. And I'm not yeah. saying Microsoft has fixed that, but I will say that Microsoft has stopped that spiral. They're, they're, stopped they're in a downward about spiral it. still, but they're not on fire anymore. <laughs> I, I would disagree because they're publishing a lot of games right now that are look that i personally i know a lot of other people are looking forward to this year i was surprised yeah. to see how many games bethesda is publishing this year i think you'd be surprised <laughs> oh yeah no they they bought a lot of companies that make good stuff i yeah. thought you yeah it for one yeah. um i thought you were just gonna follow it up with a go and <laughs> bethesda might still be on a downward spiral but no one's talking about it anymore <laughs> like, <laughs> no. i mean that's also a point too they sure um, did shut them up about it. Like, I don't know what Microsoft's culture is like. I could tell you that it's hard to judge in the gaming landscape, but I don't really hear anything bad. And yeah. <laughs> in the current climate, that's about as good as it yeah, gets. Yeah, not, well, not I, hearing no about, news is good about news. the owner of the company personally, physically assaulting people is always a good thing in the gaming industry. Phil Spencer seems like a decent guy. That's, and that's what I'm thinking here is like, uh, we're living in an era of transparency, which is nice, as clearly denoted by last year and the year before. We're mm-hmm. starting. Uh, granted, people are going to figure out ways around that eventually. Um, I was actually watching this this random aside. Uh, I was watching this video about this physician, or not physician. Sorry, Doctor Gavorgian. <laughs> sorry, uh, physicist uh, talking about this type of, and I can't remember the specific name. I'd have to go look it back up. But this type of communication with blockchain technology to where other people wouldn't be able to know what you and another person are saying. I don't think that's through blockchain because the whole point of blockchain is that everyone can see what you're saying. Um, Sorry, they're utilizing some technology around that technology. Is it the anti-blockchain? Like the anti-life equation? Look, I don't understand it, so I I, like... I mean, the point of it is that it is cryptographic but that's not what you think it means uh and anyways like I'll, cryptozoology I'll, exactly i'll look it up when we go on break i'll look it up and i i so will two yetis can talk uh, to each other 
I, I will correct a Sasquatch and a Yeti. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a Yeti and a Bigfoot can talk to a Chupacabra. Look, mm-hmm. Shay, I don't understand the technology, but I'll pretend to. Yeah, okay, thank you. Because that's <laughs> what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> to where the, that p- two people can communicate and people can be aware that they're communicating, but not know the contents of the communication. Yeah. And... I think um, they were just talking about regular cryptography because that's been a thing for a couple hundred years, but not. And that not doesn't have anything to do with that's, cryptocurrency. That's not what it was, but that's taking photos of Bigfoots. <laughs> not quite what it was. I do know that, but anyways, we'll never be able to truly know if these companies and the, these CEOs and stuff were being upfront. That was kind of the point of that. I fucked it up. I'm sorry, but anyways. Yeah. It seems I'm, like Phil I'm going Spencer's... out on a limb and saying that there's nothing to do with the blockchain with that because it. We're, I'm moving on, Josh. Sorry, no, I just we we, we knew how to do on, that Moving on, Josh. Phil Spencer seems like a decent dude, and um, it seems like their culture is decent to good. And I think that by Activision and Blizzard being absorbed by them, that hopefully, in theory, that they're going to have a checks and balances system to make sure this company gets back on the right track and having a overseeing company who does have a decent to good track record is going to help with that i think that is a positive i think that i mean i don't like that it means that like we have to spend lots of money and we have to sell ourselves out in order to improve our culture yes that mess yeah the idea that that everyone in charge of this is getting a huge payday to then be able to go and retire not great like not great not but, great i mean in the near future it's not great but looking yeah. further into the future i i, I agree L- near future not great further into the future the it would fact be great that, if they just weren't in charge because we didn't allow people like that to be in charge yes but like i mean yeah they already are in charge those yes. are typically the type of people that want to be in charge yeah um in other bobby Kotick supervillain related news there was information floating around that prior to this, internally, Bobby Kotick was discussing the idea of, to try and save face for Activision Blizzard, purchasing a company like Kotaku or PC Gamer, which is the most supervillain thing you could do. Like, the news media is saying you know, bad things like about us. Bezos Let's buy the news the media. Post. Yes. Precisely. And then since then, yes. we've been, every couple months, we get a, you know, a thing about how great it is that billionaires are, are funding space travel. Congratulations, yes. well, you're Lex Luthor. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to the topic, guys. Let's get back to the topic. <laughs> I think this um, is the topic. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's technically part of the topic. <laughs> we're talking about positives here, guys. Focus. Uh, <laughs> that, oh, we're not done with that? I thought we did, had the one thing. Well, I mean, no, definitely not. <laughs> I think it's good that the fact that they might be able to change the culture and hopefully for the positive there. Another thing that, and this yeah. is something that I think will be really interesting for you guys as much as me and probably even more so than me is a lot of these IPs that have lain dormant are going to have the possibility of new life um, breathed into them. Like namely Starcraft. That one's been, you know, basically neglected. That's been doing what ish. It's actually still doing pretty well just because the community around that has always been kind of in that same fighting game ultra competitive mindset that a game can sit there forever and someone will still be playing it. Um, yes, but it's not mainstream anymore and it's not. No, I don't grand. think it that's, ever will. That's I, I think, well, I think the, sorry, you're good. Go no, I'm, no, I'm just, I, I don't see this again. I, 
because I don't this think is... it ever was. Well, I mean, it was big enough. Like that's kind of what made esports become such a big thing. But it was so ridiculously complex that I don't think people are willing to get into it at this point because it's so much more approachable to take the simplified version of it that we got with um, MOBAs since then, which is just, they're just RTSs where you're controlling one character. And it's so much easier to parse. People can tell what's going on from a distance. Usually a little better than, you know, watching an RTS. I think it just, I think it's just, well, that, that's kind of what, what I wanted yeah. to say is I think that RTS will never reach the heights that it had because yeah. it's it's a little bit more difficult for the average person to view. And I think that's just mm-hmm. the trends and the trajectory. So I'm not expecting StarCraft yeah, but, to reach its former glory or anything like that. No, but... but sorry. Excuse me. As you're saying, there's a big enough of an audience out there that still loves RTS genre, that loves StarCraft, and to have new life breathed into it would yeah. not be a bad thing, especially being acquired by a studio as big as Microsoft Studios. I think it has and less it's to do with just the big studio Starcraft, thing. But it's also other IPs yeah. as well that we can kind of look at that and say, that's the possibility now of having these these older IPs that don't have a lot of life breathed into them. And I think that is a positive thing. That And it's an optimistic thing. Uh, granted, is it reality? I don't know. It's yeah. certainly a possibility, and that's an exciting one. Yeah, and I think that kind of was what, like, what Rich was saying, where the company gets big enough that, you know, they're like, oh, sure, sure, go ahead and do that. Which do whatever. Yeah, they play made me two StarCraft. Halo Wars games. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, so like, as far as like, yeah, we might get more StarCraft just because like, they're apparently no one's paying attention, and they let them make two Halo Wars games. So. Yeah, you never know. Maybe it'll just happen. <laughs> They'll just start making think, it and never tell the boss. I think they should make a new Lost Vikings. Yeah. Hey, why not? I'd be down with I, that. Like, that's, a, that's still I, such a cool think, concept for a puzzle platformer. Hell yeah. I think just like those things are exciting and um, possibly breathing in some new life into some of these these IPs and these genres that have kind of been dormant with Activision and Blizzard. It remains to be seen. But um, Xbox mascot Crash Bandicoot. Hey, that's exactly what I was gonna get into. Thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's that's how I wanted to end this topic because I think we've gone on long enough about it. There's more we could talk about, but it's all speculation at this point. Is the last thing I wanted to say. Um, was, it's fucking insane cat. to me. And this is and this is like the <laughs> ultimate. Like, if anybody says Sony isn't worried at all. All I'm just going to say is Microsoft bought Sony's fucking mascot. Mm-hmm. Don't Two tell me Sony isn't concerned. Microsoft they got Spyro also. bought Sony's mascot. Two of them. Exactly. So if anybody tells me like, oh, Sony's fine. They have nothing to worry about. They'll be just fine. I ain't listening to you today. Like I'm not sitting here. I think they definitely are fine. One of them. But I'm saying be objective for a moment. I mean, if they bought Ape yeah, Escape, should, maybe we'd have something to worry about. But and, and yes, they'll still be two two places ahead of Microsoft on on all of this after the fact. So yeah, but but yes, I do kind of like this is definitely going to 
the 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 catalog they acquired here is going to have to make cooperation between these companies a much bigger priority for Sony at this point. And frankly, we'll see how I, that plays out. I I I hope to see it play out well for the consumer because all these companies are getting really big into horribly anti-consumer practices and if fuck the consumer my my hope is that they have to work together on this enough that things get slightly better for us in the meantime instead of them just making a brand new cartel which is probably what's going to end up happening here we're probably completely fucked but it'd be nice I if, hope so. if it took them, you know, a, a few months to realize that that was, you know, on the table. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, like this is all most of this is like speculation and conjecture and just theorizing. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it to be mm-hmm. honest with you, both positively and negatively. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and be optimistic. Obviously, I have concerns and some negativity, and you guys definitely have some negativity. But um, What do you mean? Yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful. I'll try and be hopeful. I'll try and be the hopeful one of the three of us. Mm-hmm. And before we go to break, I want to I wanna make sure I correct myself because I did look it up, um, what I was trying to, attempting to talk about earlier. You're right, Josh. It is cryptography, but yeah. it is with uh, zero knowledge proofs is what. Um, yeah, that's a big thing with. right now, because the biggest issue in cryptography is how you let the other person know what the code is. Yes. And, and figuring yes. out the way to get that code to the other person without someone else also being to figure that out is a huge issue in, in cryptography at the moment. That Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I'd mixed up uh, like to be honest with you, I'm still not super knowledgeable about like crypto uh cryptography, cryptography. Yes, cryptography and blockchain technology, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not the most technically savvy person. Um so I I will be I will be the first to admit I was wrong about that. Still learning. Not a big deal. I I corrected no, myself that's, before that's the That's understandable because the crypto bros try to really up play how much that has to do with their current scam and uh it makes it really easy to to get those things mixed up there's this meme page i'm pretty sure i'm gonna unfollow on instagram i (laughs) i enjoy it because about they like half the time they post really great funny stuff but i've realized in the past few days that they just lift everything from reddit and then the other one-fourth of it is just nft stuff now and I'm like, I, I, I'm going to lose my fucking mind if I have to see anything. <laughs> Bro, you got to get in on these pictures of monkeys. Yeah, at this point, like, monkeys are going to end up getting fucking slaughtered in zoos because of this shit. And I'm gonna, People are just going to be gonna... done with it. Like, ima- imagine, imagine if Harambe died now. Oh, my God. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my There'd God, be more I'd than be... beers poured out at this point. <laughs> Please buy my Harambe... Uh, NFT, just you know, to honor him and you know, just really keep him alive in our hearts. Is White Claw still a thing in the U.S.? Yes, it is. Yeah, they have. It's a white... not talked about as much, but it's still definitely a yeah. thing. You know, instead of the tea party, uh, 
movement, the Boston Tea Massacre, they'd have a White Claw Massacre if Harambe white was murdered. Claw. We dumped all the White Claw into <laughs> New York Harbor. In related news, it's finally clean enough to swim at the beach. The, the New York White Claw <laughs> Party killed everything. Oh. It's weird how the alcohol eat the fucking metal from that that unsterilized needle that someone used to shoot up with. Honestly, it was wild, but I for one am glad Godzilla is back. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to break. Uh, we've been talking for almost two hours straight. We need a quick uh, mm-hmm. refresher, so oh, don't go oh, anywhere. Enjoy our brand new commercials, and we'll be right back. Good people of the earth. If you're here listening to the Chompcast, I want to say a big thank you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Chompcast isn't the only podcast that we do. That's right! We have Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews game developers about the creation of their games. We also have Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the story of video games as well as the occasional TV show and movie. And lastly, our newest podcast, Chomping at the Bits, went live just a few months ago, where myself and some friends break down the historical relevance of popular video games over the years. We have tons of content, and we'd love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, or over at the Sword Chomp website. Now, if you ladies are done gabbing, I have some shit to do. And we're back from our break. Thank you so much for being patient and waiting on us the whole one minute that you had to listen to one of our brilliant ads. But now, we're going to talk about some games that we've been playing this week. And we're going to start with none other than the Anacrusis a game that recently dropped that Rich and Josh have been playing and loving, I think. So I'm going to let them take it away. Yeah, uh, we we streamed a little bit of this just the other night as of us recording this. Um, I want to say kind of up front, uh, this is very early access. Like the progression system isn't even in this game yet, but... Um, Basically, it's another Left 4 Dead-like. The main difference is this has more of a sci-fi motif. It's set in space on, like, a luxury star cruiser where there's been an alien sort of zombie outbreak. And the aesthetic is very, like, 60s, 70s sci-fi. Like, everything's super sleek and plasticky. Yeah. Um, it's a serviceable one of those, and I just really like the look of it. Like, very early, but what, what Josh and I played is... Uh, it's fun, and there, there's. I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about some of the more unique stuff, Josh. Like I, we talked a little about during the stream about how some of the enemy types are kind of interesting, even compared to like a Left 4 Dead. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it is just we know how to make this at this point. Like you get lots of trash enemies. You get an enemy that can like root you or stun you or whatever. You're gonna need your teammates to help you with type stuff. Like it's problems that have been solved um but then there's a lot of like my favorite enemy so far is the flasher which is essentially we both agreed on that essentially a 
walking, walking flash grenade. Flash grenade. Like this enemy is so ridiculously bright that you can see basically nothing from the direction that it's coming from. It's so bright, and you have to be able to try to try to kill him shooting into that haze from all the. It's all also the light. A, a neon orange light. Yeah, it um, just looks gorgeous. Um, it. Uh, it's the same progression though like you're moving from safe room to safe room i think the sci-fi setting is one of the things that does it the most justice one because um it just looks kind of awesome like when we say like 60 70 sci-fi uh just to get something recent i think you can kind of point to like death loops aesthetic a little bit is kind of what's going on yeah there. it's very very much that sort of 70s aesthetic uh yeah um they get a little crazy with the weapons because of that in ways that are cool. Like, they're all these laser projectile weapons that you're recharging the battery at stations for. Um, and the grenades get to purposefully get a lot wackier. Like, there's yeah. a vortex grenade that sucks everything in. There's um, there's an enemy called a, a, a gooper that uh, throws, like, goo down that slows you down and damages you. And one of the grenade types is a bunch of that goo in a jar that you can then throw at the zombies. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. I like. Again, it's it's early access and it's very early access. Like, not even just the progression. There's not much of a story there so far. I imagine the there's going to be four levels are playable. We only did yeah. the first one. Yeah, I I imagine there's going to be a little bit more connective tissue that we'll kind of see filled in as things go. Um. But even without that, it felt pretty it's solid, fun. pretty solid fun uh, going through these. They had the, you know, the enemy type that you don't alert that they have in a lot of games. Like the crows are really obnoxious and black back for blood, but they're not that big of a deal. It just spawns more things. The, the, the things in this one are like spiked balls that will just roll waves of these spiked alien tribble looking motherfuckers at you. And at the moment, I think they're overtuned, which I really like. I like that they're overtuned because they're the most obvious thing in the world to not attract. But once you do, it's 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 scary it's, as hell. Yeah, it's just like crazy, crazy. It's it's yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's it's hard to say this early on what what sort of legs it's going to have. Um, but there's something there. But yeah, I really dig the aesthetic. I think the gameplay is already solid enough as it is. Um, the and, progression, unlike uh, Back for Blood's like sort of card thing, is it, it's perk based. Kind of like as you move through the levels, you find these. Uh, I think they're called like matter compilers. You'll yes. hear like a pinging and. There seem to be some matter compilers that are in fixed positions at every level, and then some will yeah, spawn in like some a random randomly, rotation. some of them fixed. The the one thing that I do think they need to change with that is it kind of sucks finding one of those, getting a perk you like, and then dying and not being able to get it later. Like even if it's just a matter of you bring whatever perk you found on the last run back with you, and then you can't use it again. I would. That that would make more sense that, from yeah. a from a just feel perspective because it's really frustrating if you find something you like and can't get it back. And also, I have to imagine if the game gets harder later on, that there would be some sort of oh we didn't get 
the rolls we want on these things. Let's let's so go let's, let's go and, wipe yeah. so we can re-roll until the, we get a matter compiler. Yeah, which that also doesn't feel good, which is kind of a downside to the current system, which we never did because it was just the two of us kind of messing around, checking things out, but trying to learn the game. You, you, it seems like it would be another issue, and it you know kind of solve both those at the same time by by giving you. By, by rethinking exactly how it works currently. And but. I'm sure a lot of those perks will change. Josh and I noticed some that were like, this seems way more valuable than some of the more simple ones. Or I had a pretty oh, good yeah, perk combo yeah. going that was those goop goop enemies, the, the goopers. Um, I first got a perk that let me move at full speed in the goo that normally slows you down. And then I got a second perk that made it so I didn't take damage while I was standing in goo. So I was walking around with goo grenades, throwing them at my feet. <laughs> Which was pretty cool, if I'm being real. Which is pretty great compared to another ping that just, or another another perk that just automatically pings stronger enemies. So, so you don't have to do it yourself. Which, like, okay, I, it saves me one button press? Like, yeah. That's not really a perk now, is it? Um, there, there's some tuning that needs to be done, is what I'm saying. Which I'm sure they're aware of. This is, again, it's an early access game. Um still really enjoy my time with it even with everything exactly the way it is so and early access is a term that gets thrown around a lot nowadays but like this game is is like very early access like there's obviously they have four of the levels fully playable but they're very upfront about what's done and what the road looks like for this game and it's going to take a lot of fine tuning but there's nothing wrong with that and it's cool to kind of be a part of that process Mm mm-hmm okay so you guys will have more on it Later on, I would imagine. Absolutely. And that's on yeah. Game Pass. It, yes, that is on Game Pass. You can play it early access right now on there already um, without feeling like you need to buy into it. I believe you know, it's $30 know, if you Knowing buy whether they are going to get around to fixing whatever issue you currently have with it, which is, which is nice. But, I, I think Game Pass is a great way to do early access, really. Um, I also think games like this that need a certain you know, certain size of a player base to really thrive, like, Game Pass is a great thing for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it will show how much interest there is. Yeah. As well, which is nice. Totally. Um, so let's talk about the next game. Josh has been very patiently waiting to talk about this game for quite some time. I've put a little bit of time into it, admittedly not enough, but... As have I. I have played some of it. It is Solar Ash. So we'll be able to get into like the beginnings of that game for sure, and I plan on hopefully finishing it over the weekend or getting a large chunk of it done over the weekend. But uh, this is a new game from uh, Heart Machine Studios. Um, sorry, Heart Machine Games, I think is what they're technically called. But I don't know uh, the actual word after that. I just know it's Heart Machine. Yeah, Heart Machine, which... Hyper Light uh, Drifter dev. Yes, that's what I was going to say. They created Hyper Light Drifter, which is a game very near and dear to our hearts here at sore chomp and uh i've been excited for this game for a while and i haven't had time to sit down with it unfortunately and finally got some time so um uh, it's interesting i i it's definitely a lot different than hyper light drifter in many ways but also there is kind of like the pedigree that was started in hyper light drifter and it, it clearly exists here um 
so I, I kind of want to talk about my first impressions and then also get your guys's as well. Just, sure. just so we can get started with it. Um, th- there is a little bit of story kind of thrown at you at the beginning. It's a little bit of a, it's a shorter FMV and then it just gets into the game basically. Or if you don't even want to call it FMV, just call it like a, a scene and then you get straight into the gameplay and it's a good integration of um learning the systems as well where they teach you how to move around the world they teach you what some of the buttons do and then you do a very controlled version of combat in this area as you're collecting and then you fight the first boss and it's a very easy boss is not a difficult boss at all and that is kind of the introduction to the game um I, I, I've mostly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, it's not, nothing that's blowing me away so far, but I really enjoyed moving the character around in the intro stuff and how mm-hmm. easy it was to understand what to do in that game. It rolls it out to you pretty well. And um, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the first boss a lot. I think that boss is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It just utilizes the mechanics of the game very well. The story is not bad i'm not excited for it yet but it's not necessarily bad it It just uh, is as of right now it's there early on it's trying to do the very (sighs) drop you into a middle of middle of story you don't know what's going on sort of a thing Mm. um that's sort of that's sort of you know piece together what the narrative actually is sort of a, a right. vibe uh mm. going on um which it those always take a little while to get off the ground yeah um, yeah exactly and it's interesting basically what's happening is that it's kind of a world ending kind of scenario that uh black hole is affecting this area and um this character is trying to save her planet essentially in the most dumbed down way possible that's essentially what's going on and it obviously blossoms and goes further from that but what were your guys's first impressions josh i'll throw it to you next since you've played the most out of the three of us what was Um, what were your first impressions first impressions are that the game is absolutely gorgeous um it has such a bold art style that is um Still in the same sort of color palette as Hyperlight Drifter, using a lot of those just amazing neon colors and uh, just bold designs. Um, this one has, since it's a 3D game instead of a pixel art top-down affair, way more detail thrown into every corner of the world, uh, along with, I've noticed, some, some Hyperlight Drifter references that you'll, you'll find occasionally. Um, like if you're exploring somewhere way too far off the beaten path, their way of showing that, no, there's not a collectible here or anything. But like I found some of the, <clears throat> um, like the little uh, companion robots that follow you around in, uh, in Hyperlight Drifter, like broken down in different corners of the maps that are kind of, it kind of feels like, hey, like it's cool that you found a way to get here somehow. But yeah, there's there's nothing here. Sort of those sort of Easter egg things. Um, I always like those, which I found a lot of because the worlds are fun to explore. 
Um, it is, it is, you're not on roller skates, but you're basically roller skating everywhere. You've got this gliding sort of feel to your movements. Um, very much momentum based with, um, how you jump and everything. It's got weird world designs that are somewhere between Mario Galaxy and like the Milkman conspiracy as far as how everything works together because you're you're inside a black hole and so gravity gets twisted around in these weird ways and makes just insane looking levels where the geometry gets twisted um you're you're a big fan of those the ones that kind of play with the geometry of a level you're, yeah you're a fan a big fan of those games i i do like that um when done well it's it's typically excellent yeah, it's, so it's making it's making the exploration fun, um, while doing that. Um, the movement itself feels usually really good. Occasionally, some of that weird gravity doesn't affect you exactly the way you'd expect it to, which, eh, like it's it's wonky. That happens in basically every situation where you see something like this in a game. Um, mm. Like, it, there's no way to do it and have you be able to instantly understand exactly what gravity's going to do in this situation. Um, but yeah, I've, I've noticed a few times where that just feels weird. Um, right. Okay. Which I think it's well, just I, a I side think... effect of it, but it's kind of yeah. frustrating when that happens. You're like, oh, I'm just going to go up here and make a jump, and I'm not being pulled back towards the thing I thought I was going to after this jump. And that, that gets frustrating, but it's understandable. It's It's how much that bothers you is going to make a big difference as, as far as how into this you're going to get. Cause that could, that that's going to frustrate some people a lot more than others. Um, right. Right. I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a good starting point for kind of like your first impressions. I want to make sure we get rich in here before yeah. we get too far. Yeah. Into... Sorry. No, no, keep going. But that's, it's kind of that was early thoughts. I, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's great. Rich, what, what are your, what were or are your first impressions? Um, so everything that kind of works for me with this game is all mechanically. Um, there's a few, like, Josh is talking about how smooth the, the movement feels, and obviously that's the thing, that's the pedigree with Hyper Light Drifter, right? And that's what I was looking for more of, like, a game that feels good to play. Um, if I could make one change, and, it, like, it's still totally great and awesome, man, that skating thing should be a toggle. It should not be a buttonhold. Hmm. Like, it's... Yeah. I don't notice holding your, a trigger that much, but still, yeah, there's even even you should still, have the option. It should, it should be an option. I think. Um, you guys I, were talking about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, this is sorry, your first uh, impressions, no, no, not well, mine. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you, you guys were talking about the the narrative a little bit, and uh, this is probably more me because I was exactly the same way with Hyperlight Drifter. I just cannot care about it. I I I. It's maybe it's the way Heart Machine writes stuff that just doesn't resonate with me. Like everything they're doing mechanically is awesome, and it's a pleasure to play and experience. But if I could just skip all the dialogue, I would. Hmm. So you weren't you weren't big in the first game on the story. I couldn't tell you a single narrative beat from Hyperlight Drifter. I was just rushing. Granted, it's all been of it. six years, but 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 I just I just couldn't get I couldn't get to a place where I gave a shit about it. If I'm being honest. And I don't necessarily think that means it's bad. Like it just didn't resonate with me. Well, there is no narrative. It's kind of it's kind of the thing there. It's mostly 
tone piece stuff. There are, right. there, there, and that's what why it worked better. Probably, like I feel like this is way more heavy handed with its story than Hyperlight Drifter. And I'm yeah, not you, you have a character that talks is the thing. So like, instead of exposition. instead of getting yeah. like e- even the the talking that happened in Hyperlight Drifter was someone mumbling at you, and then it would show you like a mural. Yes. Yeah. Um, whereas in this, someone's explaining it to you, which, um. The main story, the main story here. is kind of interesting, and then for flavor, they give you like some places you'll find like logs, like someone left a journal here before yeah, before I, the I've world was torn up. To see some of that, and in in other places you'll find someone else who managed to survive this long still. So you'll kind of you get they they throw they they vary it up a little bit as you go. Um, sure, some of which work better than others. Um, but yeah, as far as the heavy handed thing goes, it is much more heavy handed than Hyperlight Drifter. Even later on, <laughs> I mean, all their games are very much about, you know, apocalypses and kind of the, the human. How that would, you know, metaphorically, how that would affect a single person, sort of a sort of a thing. Um, sure. Um, and in this one, it, it is very much more heavy-handed uh, than the other. Your mileage will vary on that. Um, I mean, I know some authors that use subtlety, and all of them are cowards. Um, <laughs> well, I am a coward, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair to say that it's not as subtle of a narrative as the first game. I. It's not a bad thing at all. I just... It hasn't caught me yet, but it's early on, so I'm I'm still completely open to it. And Rich, I understand mm-hmm. that completely. I mean, if that's not what you're looking for, it's a quote unquote narratively, it's a different experience than the first game, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to classify it as something. Yeah. To help out with that, though, the voice acting is outstanding in this. Yes. Um. That so e- even though it is much more direct in this one. The characters are really fun to listen to. Like, the, I, I've enjoyed all of them that I found so far, um, and they you get a good variety as you go on. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Is yeah, the they acted or they added voice acting in this game, and it does sound really good. It's been really enjoyable to hear, mm-hmm. especially. Um, I like the voice act her actress whatever you want to say for sid i really oh yeah i noted that that one was a really good voice act actor yeah essentially so i've really enjoyed listening that um yeah and josh you you brought up one of the points that i wanted to bring up the game color palette wise looks very similar to hyper light drifter so i feel like in a way i feel like oh i'm back home but it's it's a different world (laughs) like it's a different home it but feels it like it's definitely the same universe sort of a feel to it, like yes. same color palette. I was going to say, when they, when they first showed images of this, and I don't think, I think they've even said necessarily this is not the case, but like, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, they're making a 3D game set in the Hyperlight Drifter world. Like, it totally looks like that. It, it is the same aesthetic, but yeah. in 3D. Same, same music as well. It, it's, not, it's not a disaster piece joint this go-around, but there are definitely musical motifs that they reuse in this. Yes. Um, yes. Sure. 
in order to kind of get to this impression of I feel like it's I'd be curious to see how someone goes into this beforehand, but I feel like some of those motifs are kind of uh doing a little extra legwork to kind of get you into the headspace of like, okay, th- this thematically is linked to something else that you've seen before. Um mm. and I don't know mm-hmm. how that would be experienced without the experience of of hyperlight drifter beforehand so i'm kind of curious about that because i'm sure that colors a lot of it um but yeah and that's not and you're not saying that's a bad thing no no no, i'm not i'm just you're just you're just saying like that that's the possibility by curiosity i i would i'm kind of curious to see what someone playing this first would uh would feel uh about that Whether, whether it would make the story more vague in any way because you know you're not also getting you know, musical moments that you already know the emotional weight behind. Um, hmm. I know how this should make me feel. Yes. Um, yeah. Exactly. So just curious. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a different it's experience. It's something to be curious about, I think. So mm-hmm. um, I don't have too many more thoughts about that because I'm, I'm just not far enough into the game. And Rich, I'm sure you probably feel similarly. Same, same for me. Yeah. I've, yeah. I'm in like the, se- the third issue. I I fought two big worm people. Does that help? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one is Ouroboros, which again, that was definitely my favorite part of the game so far that I've experienced was that first boss fight. Um, it definitely wants me. It has me wanting to experience more of the game. So we will definitely have more thoughts next week on that. But just kind of get some preliminary thoughts in there and give yeah. Josh. A little bit of an ability to talk about a game that he's played and been wanting to talk about for quite some time. And yes. I think um, when we have the full scope, when all three of us do, it'll be a much more interesting and enlightening conversation at that point. But yeah, oh, I, sure. so far, so far, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, there, there's there's something there. Like, it's something I'm going to see through till the end. Like, it's Heart Machine. I knew I was going to find something to like here. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. So, all right, next, let's jump into Nobody Saves the World, a game that Rich has been talking about nonstop. It's a good he fucking loves game. Uh, yeah, this is from Drinkbox, the Guacamole and the Severed folks. They know how to make some good fucking video games. Um, this is Nobody Saves the World. It is a top-down sort of Zelda-like. Um, I say sort of because... There's not really any puzzle elements to it. It is a top-down dungeon crawler. The quote-unquote puzzling comes more so from the combat um, because this game has found a way to make grinding interesting. Like, grinding is kind of the main mechanic. Um, The basic pitch of it is you wake up in this world and you are nobody. You are sort of this androgynous, like, pale, eyeless, stick-figure-looking guy. Um... And after, you know, some shit goes down and you find out about a missing wizard, you get a hold of a wand, which allows you to change your form. The first form you get is a rat. And the game kind of expands upon that idea from there. So it's, you turn into a rat, and you're given form quest for the rat, which will be like, use your bite attack to poison 15 enemies. Um, or, you, you know, then the rat will get an attack called Devour, which allows it to eat parts of poisoned enemies to regain health and will be like 
kill enemies by using devour 20 times. Hmm. Um, do you do that enough times and you get form points, which uh, go to experience specifically for the rat. The rat will then level up and you'll unlock a new form, which is like a, you unlock a ranger and a, uh, like a warrior type character pretty early on. And you, you keep repeating that cycle while you're running these dungeons. You keep getting new forms, getting new form quests to level them up and get them new abilities, which lead to further forms. And they start off pretty basic. You know, a little rat, um, like a, a ranger with a bow, um, this guard with a sword. And then they just start getting wackier. Like, one of my favorite forms is just a horse. You're a horse that just kicks people and stomps on them. Um, there's a mermaid that is in one of my favorite choices ever, not your typical beautiful mermaid, like a soul-sucking zombie-looking horrible, atrocious mermaid. Oh, old-school um, mermaid. Yes, need more precisely. They're pretty great. Uh, there's a rogue with a backstab ability, and they just keep feeding you these form quests to get more points, to level them up, to get new abilities for them, and to get new forms. And then about after the first dungeon, they introduce an idea to shake this up even more. And this is when I say it gets interesting in that the, the forms sort of become a puzzle and what's the most efficient way to take out these large-scale fights and these huge combat mobs is eventually, and by eventually I mean about an hour and a half in, you get the ability to take the abilities of your forms and equip them to other forms. So, there you go. Um, like a good example of like building good synergy is one of the forms is a turtle. The turtle's very slow, but the turtle can move through water. Now I'm going to take the horse's gallop ability and put it on the turtle. So now I have a very <laughs> fast turtle that can move through water, and then I'm going to take the poison tip ability from the ranger and put it on the turtle. So all of the turtle's attacks now deal poison damage. And as you get these sort of synergistic abilities, um, you start getting more complicated form quests that'll be like, deal... Um, 30,000 damage as the horse using the ranger's poison tip ability. Like, just <laughs> weird stuff like that. And it's um, it, it's a funny game. It's got, like, a good sort of chart. There, I met, like, an NFT guy who would not stop talking about what was clearly crypto to me. Um, uh. One of the big collectibles is uh, to expand your mana by finding fairies in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so far, I've seen two different types of fairies when you go up to them. Uh, one of them is clearly a drug dealer offering you a mana potion from under his coat, and another one is like, you know, a snake oil salesman with a big top hat being like, step right up! Like, <laughs> uh, just good character design all around. There you go. Um, but it just, it's one of those games that sticks in you like that, I can go to bed right now, but like, I just need to get like 30 more kills as the horse, Yeah, and I can keep going, um... All the dungeons are procedurally generated. So, hmm. and when I say that, I mean like you leave one, come back out, and its layout completely changes. So there's always something new to find. It's got a like link to the past style big overworld with tons of side quests and like mini dungeons. Um, and every time you level up a form or level up, get your level up overall, you acquire a star, which sort of like Mario 64 style, you spend to open doors to dungeons. Okay. It is addictive, it's got a good loop, it's got a good look, um, it's one of those things I'm finding hard to put down, and it is on Game Pass, I should note, but otherwise it's, it's $25, I believe. Yes? 
I was thinking it was 20, but let me look. I bought it, uh, but I bought it because they had a deal with the soundtrack, which is great. And I specifically wanted that, so I need to see how much the game itself costs. It is on, it looks like it's on sale right now. Yeah, it's twenty four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, twenty five usually. Yes. Yeah, I I got it for twenty, like just under twenty seven, but with the soundtrack. So I was thinking maybe it was twenty, but no, that was. There you go. What is your favorite part about this game, Rich? Would you say? I that combat feels good, and just experimenting with new i new forms and mix and matching the abilities. It there's something about that that just makes the combat feel fantastic. Like these huge like death mobs it's it just feels great to play like i i love bouncing between those abilities and making weird synergistic uh characters that just kind of stamp through enemies in fun ways Mm. okay okay and it does also scratch that zelda itch to a degree Mm. that means a lot more to me nowadays Mm -hmm. well not breath of the wild zelda so much Still means a lot more to me nowadays. You you forget that I played. Uh, oh yeah, you, you also played last Link to the Past too. Yeah, there's a lot of Link to the Past DNA here. Like I said, mm-hmm. it's less puzzly. Um, the puzzles feel more like the character stuff you're doing to be like, what's the most efficient character? Also, because whenever you are in a dungeon, there's two types of dungeons. There's sort of a um, what they call a demi dungeon, mm. which are the ones you want to use to kind of get more stars and get ready for the true dungeons. Mm-hmm. Right. In the dungeons proper, you can't. Um, complete form quests like you can't get credit towards them so it's more about like I want to build out Just a character that's going to, to be efficient it. in this dungeon can yeah. you switch and there it wherever also, or is it something you you can switch it on the fly in the dungeon there's um but and you hold RB because it is best to play this with a controller you can set up a hot wheel of like 10 of them that you can switch through on the fly otherwise okay. you can go to the menu because I mean at first that's more than enough but there are a lot of forms in this game okay Cool, cool, cool. That's Need to cool. get around. Josh, to that. you haven't played it yet, right? Not yet. It's the one that I've been waiting for, and then like as soon as it came out, it, like I was saying, like it's a it's a Jim Guthrie soundtrack, and I have loved his work on other stuff before. So I I listened to that instantly just because I was okay. I, I need to need to see this new soundtrack, and uh, that's what convinced me to buy it instead of just playing it on Game Pass. For- and yeah, it's it music's great. Uh like I said, tonally I really like some of the stuff they're doing. Like the the bigger narrative is just kind of over the top silly, like but like the first line of dialogue which I love is just you wake up in the shack and the first person you see is like, "Who are you? Where are your pants?" And I'm like, "Oh, you you have amnesia? That's fine and all, but you should still wear pants." <laughs> that's that's awesome. I like that. Cool. Well, Rich, you have one more game you want to talk about as well, and it's a game that I know, um, at least in my social media uh, hemisphere, that a lot of people have been talking about, Windjammers 2. Yeah, baby, it's finally here. Also on Game Pass, I should note. Um, But this is one I did buy, because I bought it the minute you could. Um, Mm. Windjammers 2. I don't know, do either of you know much about the original Windjammers? Because it's a game I love. Not at all. Um, it is a disc-based sports game. There have been a lot of copycats over the years at this point, but nothing's ever felt quite like traditional Windjammers. Um, basically, it is a pretty simple one-on-one 
a disc-based like scoring game like you're throwing the disc when you catch it you can't move um you're trying to bounce it into the enemy's goals different arenas sort of affect the scoring points like typically there's always a yellow section and red section of the goals mm. red sections worth five yellow sections worth three okay um there's character specific stuff i always play very speed heavy characters i'm not great with the power characters but i've been shut down with them before it is a fast bit fast paced fucking like a uh, good old fashioned like pixely art looking windjammers 2 definitely looking more modern in terms of like old school video game style than the original okay. but i think gameplay wise holds up just as well as the original um and having like full online functionality that's gonna in be a nice. game like this is awesome granted the original windjammer was was released on like ps4 and stuff i want to say like two or three years ago at this point um and it had online functionality but it didn't quite resonate in the same way this one did because it, it was a old game being adapted and modernized right mm -hmm. um but this one feels like it was built for that i've been mostly playing the arcade edition i put in like a, a few hours last night because <laughs> i like windjammers but i'm not good at it uh if i go online i am sure to get my ass handed to me i need to kind <laughs> of find who my character is going to be in this one and get a little more comfortable with like slap shot play and stuff like that because it is a game that you can take real slow, but you need to learn how to play fast. Mm, um, yeah. A lot happens. You need to get used to throwing the disc and having it bounce off the walls and stuff, but good music, good sound, good look, and just, even if you're not big into like heavy competitive stuff or sports games in general, yeah. I, there's something distinctly weird and distinctly 80s about Windjammers, even in today's market, and I just really, really dig it. Yeah, I was I was looking at it uh, a little bit. It kind of reminded me of playing like air hockey in some ways. In a lot of ways, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it feels like. Like, but, you know, air hockey, but you are the paddle. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It certainly it's definitely got like a fighting game sort of a vibe to it as far as, you know, just kind of play in, the opponent more of, so than the the game. In terms in of getting ways. good to it. Yeah, it's definitely comp. Getting good at it is definitely comparable to a fighting game because if you can learn how to counter people's like ultimate abilities and knock up uh, the disc and all that, like I, I need to get better at my air game because one of the easiest ways to screw people is to jump on a disc and just sort of like slap shot it down. But if you're bad at doing that, like I kind of am, you go for a slap shot and typically just knock it directly into their hands and fuck yourself. Hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 something else, but that is it's one that surprised me mostly because I forgot when Jammers Two was coming out this year because right. I hadn't been thinking about yeah, it for some I think time. It was supposed and to be coming like, out oh, last fuck. year, like early last year, and it got pushed. And I'm, I've not thought about it in a while. Yeah, but now it is dropping a spot where I have time to play it, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Do you have anything else you want to say before we move on? Uh, not really. I mean, the netcode seems good. I've mostly been messing with the arcade stuff. I'm definitely going to keep plugging away at that. Um, and since it is on Game Pass, I'd love to play a little with you guys if we get the opportunity. Because that game's oh. real fun. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I, I definitely I installed it. it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Same. But yeah, well, as we, as we all delve a little more into that, if we get the opportunity, I'd, I'd definitely like to talk about it more. Windjammers is really cool. I actually, very, I don't know when it'll happen, but I 
really want to do a chomping at the bits on the original Windjammers. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys get pretty high. I can't get that high. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Toad. <laughs> thing we just did. Let's go to break real quick. I know we just had a break, it seems like, but we have some uh, social media polls, so uh, we're going to pay our own bills for ourselves, and we'll be right back. Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! Uh, m- what? Mm. What in the blazes is going on? x X-ray! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Swordjump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com. Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com. Yes! Store.swordjump.com! Store.swordchomp. Yes, damn it! <sighs> it worked. Not gonna enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. Hey, mister, did you hear about store.swordchomp? All right, and we're back from our break. Uh, it was a really nice break, and we're gonna talk about some. Hi! Toad. What's going on here? What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing to me? You guys fucking with me. I had to step me. out for a Kit Kat. You guys fucking with me. A little bit. You guys fucking Okay. Um, I'm annoyed. Alright. <laughs> Let's uh delve into the social media polls that we did. So every Tuesday on the Sword Chomp Instagram you can vote on the polls that I put up there to um, talk about, discuss, vote on, and then we get to reveal the results on the show. And that's really fun for us because usually we try and correlate it with the topic of the show, but sometimes we have some uh, more wayward polls to have fun and discuss. So I try to keep some of them in line with the topic this week, and I ask the question, which character is more iconic? Mario or Kratos. And the reason why I pit those two against each other is because I figured Mario from a previous generation, Kratos from a uh, more recent generation, and even now it's still a very popular character. So I was kind of curious to see if that one would be even close. It was not. Mario at a healthy 85% fucking stomped Kratos. So no that is surprise the there. Answer. Um, I'm sure you guys were like, what the fuck is this idiot thinking? Well, there you go. Now you know. No yep. comment. Yeah. 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 Not surprised, right, guys? No, not even not, a little Not bit. in the least, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually I'm surprised, surprised by the 20% his number was that high. Yeah. 15%, but yeah. No, I 15, get, I get yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised it was double digits is really where I was going with it. I mean... 
the the thing i guess one of the philosophies i was trying to think about because i i have a plan for us to discuss to discuss this in a later episode and it's going to be a, a topic unto itself is that because we've grown up with a lot of characters we're at different points in our lives and we kind of get to see that with kratos you know a lot of us not all of us myself included have become fathers or mothers not that the or just no one's told in general and uh kratos is uh his life plan is kind of mirroring what a lot of gamers who grew up with god of war are doing themselves so i figured that maybe there would be more of a connection yeah. there a lot of us have, and- a lot of us have killed some gods and moved to norway and i was gonna say <laughs> I also killed Zeus and hit out in Norway for a few years. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You know, it makes sense. But I think that was like also one of the um, one of the things I was thinking about when I did this topic. I was like, you know, it's possible that I get some fathers who are like, yes, this is absolutely the more iconic character because it matches kind of where I'm yeah. at in my life. So Yeah. Well, thing, you, you've got to catch those fathers in the in the five months before they realize, oh shit, I'm gonna have to teach this kid how to game, and then start getting a bunch of Mario games. In case those fathers are <laughs> listening, I just wanted to let you know something. Your experiences are not universal. Mm. Now let's move on. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting okay. couple of comments there. Something to chew on for the listeners, and I'm sure it will not go unnoticed. Uh, the next poll I did was, which character is more iconic? Laura Croft or Ellie? And uh, as you guys can imagine, Laura Croft had an even deeper, further, more massive stomping. Uh, Laura Croft got 88% to Ellie's 12%. You know, that's one of those things I expect that number to go down. Like, she's far, far less iconic the less polygonal her boobs become. Uh, well, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I put back when I they were just both, a weird trapezoid. Yes, I put exactly. both versions of her on that one. Oh, actually, okay. mm. just so because she, yeah, she had the character redesign, and I was like, you know, maybe I should put both designs. Yeah, no, I really like the old one where she kind of looks like a Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like one of those Gundams from one of the spinoff series where they're like, I took the parts of my Gundam ashtray and made it into a sexy lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took that uh, <laughs> butter sculpture that I made, and then I... And I, I fucked put, it. I put two funnels <laughs> for her tits. Uh, yeah, we're saying the same thing. I think so. <laughs> I think so. But, um, yeah, Ellie fucking got demolished. I was a little bit surprised at those numbers. Hey, spoilers. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Mm. You're probably right, but it was still good. Give me that. Um, I mean, if you said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you just for the sake of conversation and yeah. arguing. I'll I'll give it to you. But um, yeah, I was a little bit more surprised because Ellie um has been a really iconic character for the past x amount of years what eight nine years so i figured it would be a little bit closer despite what her character ended up becoming in the second game but um yeah laura croft could not be i do think ellie and laura croft i think there's more of a a debate to be had than mario v kratos but you know yeah which is i 
yeah, I I also expected that to be closer. Um, but yeah. I actually had um a good friend of ours message us on social media and she said, you know, I know objectively it's Laura Croft, but I can't help but vote for my girl Ellie. And I was like, that's Oh fair, yeah, man. yeah, no. Like I- iconic doesn't translate necessarily to important. Like I'm sure there's a ton of people who would say Ellie is more important to them personally. Yeah. I, oh yeah. That's even Laura Croft was not a character of... until the reboot. She was a gun with tits. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Which, Fair enough. Uh, which uh, we we make fun of, but that was most male Character characters idea. too. Gun with tits. That w- that was most that was most male characters was just no absolutely not, no wrong. character, but you know whatever. Obsessed with tits and ass. Shooting <laughs> obsessed with tits and guns mm-hmm. and that too. Yeah, yeah. So and NFTs. Stop. Yeah. Stop, bro. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next poll before there's any more of that kind of talk. Speaking of N, not the FT part, but speaking of N, we're talking um, about Captain N. I asked, which insignia or or company name do you think is more iconic, Umbrella Corps or the N7 from Mass Effect? See, speaking of Ns, that was not a bad transition that I won't get credit for because I never get credit for anything. That was a good segue. Hey, oh my god! The best metric for this. Is is which you see the most bumper stickers of? Because I think these are the two you see the most bumper bumper stickers of. But I'm I don't know which one I see the most bumper there's, stickers th- of. Um, there's a car around the corner from me that is fully kitted out like it is an Umbrella Corporation promotional vehicle. Mm. Um, another thing to consider is that definitely Biohazard or Resident Evil is much better known here in Japan than Mass Effect. No, oh, and yeah, also. Yeah. Only one of these has multiple ma- major motion pictures, um, so people that don't even play <laughs> video, there's a, there's a sect yeah, of people. Yeah, that's that probably an edge. Know what Umbrella is that don't even play video games. Yep. The, the difference is they like bad movies. Mm. But um, yeah, I did like I know a lot of people really love Mass Effect, myself included, and I didn't know if that Same. love would outweigh just the sheer amount of knowledge that people have. Yeah, this is a tough Resident one. Resident Evil. Like, I think the answer is still Umbrella. No, like, it's, I it's, love it's 100% Effect Umbrella. Evil. Uh, like, the, 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 the N7 stuff is, like, a really cool, slick design, but half of that's the armor and the ship design. The actual icon itself is, like, the logo is way less just cool than the Umbrella, like, logo and stuff. Kind of the... Yeah. Yeah, that umbrella yeah. is really iconic. I will say this: I agree with you guys because we were actually talking about that recently. I believe is that um, umbrella and Resident Evil in general is really synonymous nowadays with zombies. You know, yeah. yes. Where Mass Effect is not as synonymous with space or space travel. You know, you, you have to fight through Star Wars and Star Trek before you even start talking about Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I think it makes sense that the 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 polls ended up being seventy nine percent Umbrella Corps and twenty one percent and seven from Mass Effect. So yeah, it checks out. It does. It absolutely does. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was not surprised by that 
result, but I still wanted to run it just to see what would happen. And uh, yeah, I was thoroughly whelmed. Yeah. So so N seven for your hoodie, umbrella for the bumper sticker, is is where, we, where right. we land on that. So I think I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Josh. We agree today. <laughs> today is one of those days. Agreement. <laughs> Agreements yeah. in order. The last poll I ran was uh, a true or false one. It's a pretty easy one. True or false, when I really love a game, I will find out who the studio is so I can play their games of past and future. Um, and I put some pictures of examples like uh, Supergiant Games or Heart Machine up there. Just not necessarily strictly yeah. indie studios, but I think that's where that kind of question usually pertains more to. And we had. 83% of people say true. They agree. They do that. And then 17% of people say false. They don't care as much about that. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I guess we're kind of doing market research for other companies yeah. in, a way, in a way. But um, unsurprisingly, people want to play a good game from a studio that has already made a good game. I mean, really big shocker yeah. there, I know. But I wanted to make sure. Yeah, I yeah, usually yeah, I usually will do that if somebody makes something I really like. I'm like, okay, have I missed other I, stuff they I don't make? Even think but we're a fair sample for this. No, I'm, I am do. not. I've often been disappointed by what I find going going into that second offering, but it's you know it's generally worth the ride, if nothing else. Um, That's the name of your porno. It's generally worth the ride. Yeah. Yes. Lots of military theming, uniform. Well, they're not strictly uniforms. Um, I imagine it's like having sex at an amusement park, all of the rides and stuff. <laughs> just like you're getting on It's a Small World as you're twirling around, just <laughs> pounding I love cheeks. a man in uniform. He's a prisoner, dear. <laughs> and the, the woman like is kind of like a dominatrix, and she's like, yeah, your dick's a small world, and you're like, I know, and she's like beating you on the mm. fucking. I know. Why do you keep talking about this? You know, you're crying because it's a dominatrix. I just get frustrated. I'm like, yeah, I'm aware. Can you shut up? And then she, and then she slaps you because she's the dominatrix, mm. and, and she that's tells what you I to cry. Shut up. Like that was that was mean. Just one milky <laughs> tear comes out of your penis. That's cum. I hope I hope at least ten people just grin us at But that. it was worth the ride. <laughs> they, they should. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth the ride. It's not kind, <laughs> maybe kinda usually. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> Josh, continue. I'm sorry. I I have no idea what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> I don't think it matters. Sorry. It's it's one of the few times that I interrupt and I come. And I completely derail. That's on me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thanks a lot, Shay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. But, uh, Rich, I mean, is that, is that pretty true of you as well? Oh, it's definitely true of me. Um, like, again, I, I don't even think we're, like, a fair sample to take on this just because I've been, like, working in some form in games for almost 10 years at this point. Like, it's an impulse <laughs> by now you know what i mean like yeah it's uh it was ingrained in me early in college where it was like hey 
you need to know who these people are. Like, you need to be knowledgeable about this thing you want to do. It's funny to see kind of like what you pick up at that age, not specifically just college, but also college around that age. What you pick up on is like, this is knowledge I need to amass in case I'm ever on Jeopardy or in case I'm at a, uh, a, um, what, what are the, what are the, what am I just blanking? You ever on? held at gunpoint? No, like if you're at a pub and they're having a, uh, like a, a, a trivia, trivia, a trivia, trivia night. That's what I was looking for. Trivia night. Um, there's some reason why you need to be an encyclopedia of knowledge for this one thing. For you, it was that. For me, it was, I always needed to know, like, metal bands. Like, who the members are. Who the members were. Mm. When, when the... When it's a strange thing to know when most of them forget they're even in a metal band. Right. A couple years after the fact. Um, all well, the drugs and the alcohol, man. Mm-hmm. It's man, you, you amass certain knowledges that are not like to this day. I work in the automotive industry, and when people come to ask me questions about cars, I'm just like, they're like, "Hey, I have a question for you," and I'm like, "I hope it's about the X Men, otherwise, I probably can't help you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I, you know, I could have useful information in my brain, but instead, I know yeah. about um, the lineup of some 41. Grand, not a metal band. I know before yeah. anybody flames me. I know the, not? the whole history of some 41 from beginning to now and the members and shit. And I'm like, oh, why do I know all this? Lives in there rent free, baby. That's uh-huh. right. You're welcome. Some 41. I know a lot about you. They in listen. Case. They're thankful. Yeah. They're, they're happy about it. They've told me. <laughs> they call me once a week. Yeah. In my dreams. Um, it's a weird dream to have. Yeah, you know, not any weirder than what Josh had last night or the other night that he was telling us about before the show. Uh-huh. That's true. That was weird. That was, that was something that happened. And you're no, fucking weird, man. We're yeah. fucking yeah. weird people. You know what I'm saying? That's not an accent I'm, I can do. I was I like half anything. Canadian, and then I don't know what I was trying to do. All right, get off my ass. <sighs> Canadian ate some poor, poor bastard from Boston. That's that's exactly what it was. A Canadian mm-hmm. ate some some poor bastard from Boston. Holy shit! It's Macky Mac. Holy shit! It's Peter Griffin. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go fucking see the Yanks, you fucking piece of shit? To go to the Sox game, pissing my balls. Just saying words now. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even hear Stewie right now. I'm disappointed. Fuck you talking about? Because you sound like Peter Griffin. Oh, I knew. Oh, okay. You were just playing along. Gotcha. My bad. Well, I mean, that's gonna pretty much did it. D- did it. Did it. That's gonna pretty much diddle it. Did it. Whoa. Hey. Mm. Hey now. Mm. Hey now. Let's, let's get out of here and go do another podcast. All right. Uh, sh- yep. Josh, would that piss you off terribly if we just moaned the whole and whispered the whole outro? Or would you be okay? I'm not sure if I'm blinking loud enough for this audio po- format. Um. For NPR. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Hold on. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Chompcast. If you want more content from us, head over to SwordChomp.com where you get more podcasts such as Okay, I'm done, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, 
I'm not enjoying this bit at all. Okay. Uh, head over to sorrychomp.com where you get more podcasts from us, such as um, Chomping After Dark, our spoiler podcast where we deep dive into the story of certain games with the occasional movie and TV show. Um, we have some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful episodes lined up for this year. We just got an episode up on Halo Infinite. Uh, if you can stomach it, head over there and listen to that episode. We, uh, we had some fun I with that could. one. Um, we're going to be doing another one here in a few minutes, actually, for next month, which I'm excited about. But anyways, Fuck, that's besides the point. Next month. <laughs> right. And, yeah, I guess I'll um, send that one out then. We have Chomping at the Bits, Rich's new podcast. It's in its fourth episode. He just did an episode, as he told you guys before, on uh, Super Mario Brothers, the, the very first Mario Brothers game. And Incorrect. The second. Sorry, the second. And, um... I meant the first one where it's a standalone title is what I meant. Also incorrect. Okay, well, fuck me then. Apparently, I didn't listen hard enough to your episode, which should be incentive for you to go listen so you can shut me the fuck up. Um, But anyways, yeah, go ahead and check that out. We also have Invoking the Sublime, which uh, is where I interview developers and talk about the history and creation of their games, which has been dormant for a while. Hopefully not much longer, but uh, it's been dormant for a little while, but some great episodes that you can check out. We also have an awesome merch selection. If you head over to store.sorechomp.com, if you didn't hear that commercial, you ignored it, you skipped over it, well, you're getting another dose here. Check it out. We have some awesome threads and some um, stuff for your house and everything else, your office space that you can check out. Uh, Lots of cool stuff there with our logo and some other brilliant things designed there we also have an article section where we get up articles about uh reviews games we've played and want to disseminate whether or not it's worth your time as well as some think pieces as well rich has most recently gotten a few articles up there that we talked about last week so you can go check that out as well and we also have a patreon which i'm sure you're very well aware of that is the place where we make our revenue, we are able to make all of this content available for you. So if you head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp, you can find out how you can support us. We have a lot of tiers. And in return, you get some level of benefit per your choosing. We have a lot of different tiers there for you to select from. So uh, it would mean the absolute world to us. If you'd head over there and see if there's any way you can support this here journey that we do. I know everybody and their mother has a Patreon. Believe me. Um, I, I actually get tired of hearing about Patreon from all the places that I visit. It's like every YouTube video I watch, every podcast I listen to has a fucking Patreon. But um, this is yeah, a great I mean, pitch like you've got going here. It's- I know I'm working hard You're on really it. You're really upselling us. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say is that, um, you know, we have been doing this for a long time. We have so much, we have such a massive back catalog of free content. Um, if you've enjoyed it, not to guilt trip anybody, but like if you've been considering it, uh, please consider again. It would mean, it would mean a lot to us and it does help us a ton. It, your money goes far um, for us. It helps us make so much content. So anyways, um, I think that's about gonna do it i don't think i missed anything so we will be back next week for another episode of Chompcast. i want to say thank you to rich to josh 
Um, I'm not going to say thank you to myself, but I was your host, Shay, and we will catch you. Thank you. I wasn't fishing, but actually, thank you very much. Uh, We will be back next week. So thank you so much, and be safe out there. Take care. It was worth the ride.